welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, D. Dylan Bear, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Basson, bringing the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. So, the name of this song that everyone has heard a thousand times and doesn't know is The Magnificent Eleven by Sam Spence, one of the many, many great songs by from the NFL film throughout the 70s. And it's that time, folks. It is that time. The summer is softening. The winds are picking up. It's starting to get a little cooler in certain places. And that means football is right around the corner. Professional football is right around the corner. And so we are here to help you dive into our lovable, wonderful NFC Norris division, now called the NFC North, ever since they kicked the Buccaneers out of here, where we will tell you all you need to know about the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings, the Chicago Bears, and our lovable, wonderful, winning Detroit Lions. And I know everyone on this cast is hyped for the upcoming season. We all see great things possible with our Lions. Kinda. Someone's hyped about thinking his Bears are going to repeat in the NFC North. Not and even remotely. We're <laughs> oh, well then, you might actually hear some objectivity out of this Bears fan. I'm stunned to begin. It's going to hurt, but... <laughs> we're going to head up to Metro Bank. Metro Super. Bank? What the hell is the name hold of their on, new no, field? Hold on. <laughs> well, hold on. We can't... We haven't talked about what we're going to talk about. I just, I said just oh what my are you talking about? God. We just talked about what we're going to talk about. We just said it. We're I just said we're diving into the, the NFC North. North. Yeah, oh, what we're else? Gonna break do, down I the did, four teams for you. I swear that did not come through my headset. Well, it definitely yeah, happened. because you're. I said it. God, I seen it. All right, that's all right, fine. That's fine. That's fine. I got. All right, all right, we're good. Yeah, he's, right, he's too busy worrying about Brian being in a who scuba the f- suit. Is Brian? I said Brian. <laughs> no, it really sounded like it Brian. really sounded like like Brian. a lot, but I knew what he meant. I swear kind of my words. What the hell uh, is the name of Minnesota's new field? TCF Bank. No, is it? No, no, no. That's Kobo, bitch. <laughs> no, who's where's fucking TCF Bank? No, it's a bank of some kind. Is Here, that let me the look. Golden Gophers? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, U.S. U.S. US Bank, Bank Stadium. God dang Banks. That's where we're heading up to. U.S. Bank Stadium, where the Super Bowl was just two years ago. The Minnesota Vikings call it uh, their home. And we are going to dive into them first. A team that disappointed last year after being a step away from the Super Bowl, thanks to the miracle in Minneapolis against the Saints, and then got no their thanks. ass no handed thanks. to them by the Eagles in Philadelphia. They followed it up after getting rid of Case Keenum, bringing in Captain Kirk Cousins, and then watching their offensive line turn into a whole bunch of pansies and not know how to block for anybody all year. And the team who went from 11 or 12 wins the year before went to, what, 8, 7, and 1 and missing out on the playoffs. That is correct. They were bad. And you know what? Their stadium may kill birds, but they but they were killed by birds in the NFC title game, which was very sad. 
I think the weirdest thing about what happened with Minnesota last year, and it's something that Paul, to his absolute credit, called a million miles a day ahead of time. But that was the change in offensive coordinator that they had in the middle of the season. They really fundamentally shifted how their offense was functioning. Alvin Cook is going to be, I, I don't know, maybe he's less, maybe he's more of a, of a portion of the offense because he was kind of dinged up. And you know what? Even more possible, Amir Abdullah is on the roster. Woo-hoo. Maybe he gets God a God dang right thing. he is. <laughs> Soon to be no, Zach but- Zenner. But no troll, no troll. I mean, they they have very good skill position players, but I think we're all relatively in agreement that we don't really see much out of this, and I don't even necessarily think it's Kirk's fault. I don't think Kirk's amazing by any means, but it's just this this roster that initially inspired so much positivity, I don't know, it just kind of feels like... They, they haven't improved nearly enough for me to think that they're going to be anything better than 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, 7-9, and seven, seven and nine, something like that. Well, I mean, you just named the whole NFC North to me. It's going to finish. <laughs> every, everyone's going to finish between 7 and 11 wins, probably 8-9-10. But everyone? I, the vi- yeah. Everyone. everyone the Very possible. Everyone. everyone all four this teams. Is, yes, this is a What does everyone mean to you? In, yes, yeah, everyone. Yeah, He's just making sure. What Dylan said. Thank you, sir. I'm just making sure. Mm-hmm. Just trying to figure I out how do, Honolulu blue your rose-colored glasses are. I do see good things for the Vikings. I'm actually really upset because Sports Illustrated really stole my thunder with the NFC North. Like, they have the exact standings that I have in the NFC North. Very annoying. But... The Vikings season is just offensive line. And you can say that about yep. half the NFL, but like way more about the Vikings than anyone else because the Vikings have every single other piece. No one thinks the Vikings defense isn't going to be a top 10 unit. The Vikings have one of the best receiver duels in the NFL. They have a tight end who I think is going to have a really good year in Kyle Rudolph. He hasn't had some of the production as of late, and he's battled a few things, but I think he's going to be a lot bigger part of the offense this year. Dylan already talked about Dalvin Cook. I am very high on him, and I think Amir Abdullah will be a good part of that backfield and will do a good job spelling him because every time he got a chance and was healthy, he did fine. Ryan is just a number one absolute hater, but that's all right. They have the pieces in quarterback, Kirk Cousins. I, I like Kirk Cousins. I, I'm sure – well, no, Ryan hates Kirk Cousins because he's not Connor yes, he Cook does. for whatever <laughs> reason. But they have everything but an offensive line. And they've tried to address it, but similar to the Lions, similar to many teams in the NFL, just because you've invested money and high draft picks into it doesn't mean it's going to work out. Can their offensive line actually – give them enough time, give the running backs enough space, and give Kirk Cousins enough time to make the right place. Because if they do that, this is a 12-13 win roster. The problem is, it's going to be really, really hard for them to do that. But I still peg the Vikings as the favorites in the North. Oh, no. Not even close. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Sorry. So, I, I do... You can't say not even close when you and I both agree about how close all of these teams are to each other. Yeah, I think the Vikings are the, well, I guess, you know what? We'll get to that later. Ryan, you were saying. So one of the most 
untalked about things about the Vikings this upcoming year is it's going to be Kirk Cousins' second year with his receivers, so he's going to have an entire offseason or an entire you know other offseason really to build that rapport with Stefan Diggs and a guy like Adam Thielen, obviously Kyle Rudolph, Delvin Cook. So that should pay huge dividends to the Vikings because, like Paul said, Kirk Cousins – He's not a bad quarterback. He's not necessarily great, but he can certainly get the job done with all the right pieces around him. The thing with the Vikings, besides the offensive line, one of the biggest things is health. Dalvin Cook, the last two years, has not been healthy. Nope. And last year they had Latavius Murray, so they could rely on him to kind of shoulder that load when uh, Dalvin went out because Latavius Murray – He's a veteran running back. He's somebody who he just kind of knows how to play football, even if he doesn't have the best skill set in the world. He's somebody that you you know you feel comfortable handing the ball to. And this year they're turning those reins as the backup running back, if you will, and the kind of the insurance policy over to Alexander Madison, who, of course, is not as proven as Latavius Murray was. The Vikings defense last year took a step back from where it was the year before. And it was a defense that I loved going into the last year. Anthony Barr is one of my favorite running back or favorite running backs, favorite linebackers in the NFL. Uh, Harrison Smith is, of course, a great safety. They have my man's from Michigan State, Trey Waynes, um, Xavier Rose on the other side. So the Vikings, they do have the pieces around them to be a great team. One thing that I'm not sure I totally trust, though, is the coaching. And while I do like Kirk Cousins, he does make a lot of pretty boneheaded mistakes, um, but he also makes some incredible throws, and he's a guy I would want under center. I was going through kind of game by game with the Vikings, and I do think they're a better team than last year, but just going through the schedule, you know, week one, win-loss, week two, win-loss, whatever, I actually have the Vikings finishing at 7-9 and nine and going 2-4 and four in the division. Hmm. So it's a team that I thought I liked a lot more than I did when I was looking at their schedule. And obviously I saw more losses than wins on there. So I do think they take a step forward. And a lot of the games were toss-up games that I just didn't have them quite getting over the hump for. So I do they're, I do think they're going to be a tough out. But at the end of the day, I don't necessarily think that they're going to be a threat for the division. That's crowd. kind of the story of Minnesota as a franchise, though, is they, they underachieve like crazy. I was just looking this up for curiosity's sake because we – off air we're talking about all these really good teams that minnesota has had and they are 478 and 397 in the regular season they're 20 and 29 in the playoffs and they have not won a super bowl in fact they're one of only two teams to have lost four super bowls and i just don't I don't know. I don't think I think this is just a kind of the way that Minnesota teams kind of work where they have a great roster, they have great spe- like specialist kind of guys, you know, guys that can touch football and I just think it's going to be an underwhelming thing all over again. They had Adrian Peterson, one of the best do- running backs, didn't do anything. Now they have Adam Thielen, arguably one of the best receivers in the NFL. Same deal. And I don't think Dalvin Cook is going to be healthy. I think Kirk is going to underwhelm again as much as I love the dude. He has those moments, Nebraska in 2011, chief among them as a reminder. And this is probably probably going to be Zimmer's penultimate year. I think he's going to get another year, underperform again, and he is Audi 5000. You can't go 13-3 in 2017 and then go back-to-back years without making even making the playoffs. I mean, to be fair... The best chance to win the Super Bowl is thrown away by Brett Favre. 
Wow, <laughs> uh, in the worst throw I have ever seen. Okay, to be fair though, I mean, you know, you, you mentioned these great players that Vikings have had, great running backs and all that. Who was their quarterback the entire time that AP was there? Who's their quarterback, Benson Sealing, was there? And it was a big surprise to everybody in the NFL two years ago when they were as good as they were with Case Keenum at the helm. A bunch of things dropped off last year, not the least of which was their offensive line. We know firsthand in Detroit how important an offensive line is because we've never had one. And if we ever do get one, we might actually have a real good football team. But when you don't have one and you have these great skill position players on the receiving end of the football, you have a damn good running back win healthy. You have a good quarterback. Is he great? Mm, probably not. He might be getting close, but you know he's got to do it a little more consistently to be considered in that echelon. He's gotten paid like he is, but that's the market right now. But they haven't had that complete team in all of these years that they had. The closest they had to it was in 1998. You know, forget the Favre year, which was a really good year, but that, you know, Randall Cunningham, Randy Moss year was the closest they had when they broke records offensively. But when you lose offensive linemen like they lost and you're trying to now build back up through taking some guys like Josh Klein from Tennessee, some guys in the draft like Garrett Bradbury from North Carolina, we know what they bring on the defensive side of the ball. They are a very good defensive team. They got a great defensive line. They've got a Damn good secondary and a good set of linebackers. We know what they bring defensively. Offensively, while they really do have good skill position players, that line is really, really important. And when you don't have a quarterback that makes his living on the run, a la a Ben Roethlisberger, a Cam Newton, a Russell Wilson, you need an O-line that's really going to be good at blocking. And they don't have it yet. They haven't opened up the lanes for the running game. They haven't protected the quarterback. And so that's how you're going to end up with seasons around 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. When you don't have something as important as the guys in the trenches who make life a lot easier for you when you have the ball. You know, this is, because we were talking about, about this team, and one refrain that happens with Detroit all the time is, oh, Detroit wastes all-time talent. But think about all the players that Minnesota has had and have just not done it. And, and to be fair, they're more successful than lines have been. I was going to say. But they run short. No, but they always <laughs> run I, short still. I mean, they've still. won the division. They've won playoff games. They've been right there. I don't not, care that they I haven't mean, they're 20 won the and Super 29, though. And, and, they're, and by the way, Dennis Green was 4-8 and eight in his run, which, by the way, was a really good run from 92 to 2001. But... Four and eight. And again, you have had such good players. You said ninety-two to two thousand and one. Let's go over the teams that represented the NFC through those years. They were the Cowboys, they were the Niners, they were the Packers. These were some all time. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. You hold hold on. on. You're hold on. Four and eight what? Four and eight playoff record. Yeah, four and eight. Could you I do you know what I would do for two (laughs) playoff wins? Uh, that's yes. all right. Anyways, you by the way, hold on. This team? no, I can't. I can't stop. I can't let Matt sit there and, and, and all of a sudden do revisionist nonsense because I'm sorry, but the two times where Dennis Green went to the NFC title game, he lost to Atlanta and the 2000 New York Giants. Absolutely. My man, come on. Yeah, those, those are rough. But guess right. what? Guess where his four wins came Michael from? Bennett and Dante Culpepper. His four wins came from those two years where he made it to the NFC Championship game. That's not. Uh, no, that's only two wins because each they year. Were them, uh, but a big look, time the point. Lineman too, and I just forget his name. The point is, is that the the Minnesota Vikings have had offensive players in particular that have just been stupid good. 
and and they have been cutting it short and i think this is just another one of those sort of stories so i think it's just absolutely preposterous to point to whatever the heck you're going i mean this is ryan took offense last week to our quick brief recent history quick brief the game quick brief I don't game. know what you're talking about because when it came out on the podcast, <laughs> you're welcome, Ryan. Well, I, I would oh, say some stuff. of that stuff actually harkened to what's going on today. None of those Minnesota teams have absolutely no. I, I very much legitimately think that the this. 2017 team and the fact they it's, didn't make it to the Super Bowl at home and got destroyed by the things. Philadelphia Eagles. I think that does work at home. They went to Philadelphia. We're, we're no, I'm saying got to the Super Bowl at home. They shouldn't gotta, have been in the NFC Championship. The Eagles. You're not listening, but that's fine. <laughs> no, I hear what you're saying. They shouldn't have been in the NFC Championship. <laughs> New Orleans shouldn't have lost that game. They shouldn't have been there in the first place. They were outmatched, but, but they pulled off a win. But to feel your team as, oh, team of destiny or whatever, and then just get just straight Walked up by a team that was much better than you. The Eagles were a much better team than And that. now we're starting to see that maybe this roster isn't as good as we thought. That's kind of been my point this whole time. Or maybe if the offensive line could be consistent at I don't all no, I no, here's the thing. The I don't think offense. the reason that the I don't think the reason that Minnesota is going to be average or below average is not because of the offense. I think it's because the defense is going to regress a lot. If the defense, they regress again because they regressed last year. If the defense continues to regress, it's because they can't get – they're on the field all the time because the offense can't sustain drives because the offensive line sucks. And yeah, you'll, get, I... you'll get some chunk plays here and there because you have so many offensive skill positions and they will score points. But the problem is if the offensive line doesn't step up, they don't have the consistency in drives to get first downs, even if they don't score, to give the defense a breather. So much has been put on that defense. And I think we're just really overcomplicating this. Look, the NFC North is probably the best division of football this year. Mm, they are certainly the most mediocre teams? division. Yeah. Certainly I, the most competitive division. No, I think the most competitive now is going to be the AFC South. Absolutely Doesn't not. mean they're good. Doesn't Absolutely mean they're good. Not. Every single one of those teams could win the division. Especially Who's now. That? Colts, Jags. Colts, Texans, Jags, Texans, and, and Titans? Titans. All right. I'd I think probably the best division the should be the AFC that'll, that'll North. That'll be a competitive division. I think Ravens, no, Browns, Absolutely and Steelers not. are going to be No, not even close because Cincinnati that, couldn't hold a candle to that any of That's fine. Neither do the Lions compared to the other three teams in the North. All right. That's not true. Oh, it is true. It's not true it at all. It is true. And you, will, you I mean, listen, we can make our guesses gonna, all we want. The at the end of the year, you're going to see that it is true. The Lions are going to finish third, but to say Big that they bet. can't hold a candle, Big I guarantee the only team that has a chance of sweeping the Lions is Minnesota. Big the only team. Bet. And I bet. What? I bet. That's, that's PTSD from the 10th sack. <laughs> I bet the Lions go 4-2 and two in division this year. That's what I have. Spoiler alert. <laughs> okay. A, real a, quick. A little bit we of a all fun lost your damn minds. The, the Vikings used to be my favorite team when I first got into football because I loved Randy Moss so much just you. from Madden. Yeah. Because they were the first team that you got in Madden, right? It was like the – it's basically like the alphabet or something. So yeah. it was X team versus the Vikings. And I'd always pick the Vikings, and I had PlayStation at the time. So Randy Moss was the circle, the little mm-hmm. red circle, and you threw it up to him. and it was just a touchdown. <laughs> Do you wear out the circle button in that, that remote? <laughs> By the way, I do want to point out something else that's kind of hilarious is apparently this was posted today at 451. NBA Sports or NBC Sports. (laughs) To be fair, this is out of Chicago, but 
<laughs> apparently, Mike Zimmer and the kicking situation in Minnesota is apparently starting to get as bad as Chicago. <laughs> there we go. We're not the only ones who suffer. We got Prater. We good. It's the one area we good. <laughs> so the Vikings, I did give my record of seven and nine. And I think we talked about this in chat uh, maybe a little months ago. So I'll give you guys credit because one of you, and I think it was you, Dylan, said every team's going to finish with like eight wins or higher. And right. I was like, you got to be on crack if you think that's going to happen. But I have the Vikings at seven and nine and last in the division. So I got every team finishing with above eight wins. And the Vikings are going to be right there at seven and nine with a couple of toss up games. So going through their schedule, seven and nine, last in the division. Okay, Matt. But I give you credit for that because something I didn't think would happen. I'll figure out my placements at the end because I don't have them in the top of my head. But I have Minnesota going eight and eight, and I think three and three in the division. Okay. Oh, I have I have them two and four in the division. If that was part of the question. All right, uh, Paul. What about yourself? I, I I'm doing this for all the teams. I got a. I'm give, I'm giving myself no, a no, little just bit the of Vikings a, right no, now. No, I'm giving myself a little bit of buffer. Oh, I'm doing it for all the teams. I, they're going ten and six or eleven in five. <laughs> And oh, they're going to win the division. As Ryan had alluded to, and I appreciate the shout-out and the praise. It's very meaningful to me, Ryan. Thank you for that. Uh, i got to say, 8-8, eight and eight, absolutely. I think that they are going to be third because I think they will have a better divisional record than the Packers. I think that they will be 3-3 three and three would be my guess in division. I just don't think that, especially if they are on the road in any games uh, cross-conference, cr- cross I don't trust Kirk. I just don't. So, so eight and eight is where I have. Games. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. At so, I'm, right. At Dallas, they got some. They got some tough. I mean, they 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 have. They ha, I mean, they have the crossovers with the AFC West, which is yeah. I don't know, man. That's pretty hard. So I'm gonna say eight and eight, third in the division though, and that is because of the bullshit artists, the grossest colors in all of sports, the devils of the North. The grossest, evilest fan base of all time. The Gre- I, can't, I can't even say their names. Matt, we're, we're talking about that. We're going to that weird ass team that's owned by their town. I hate it. <laughs> that hate is them. so <laughs> hollowed as. I hate them. <laughs> hollowed as ground. The frozen tundra that is Lambeau the Mecca. Field. The mecca of, college, of professional football. Can, See, can hey. we take a minute to appreciate how genius of a ploy that is? Like, they got so far. Ahead of the public subsidizing stadiums thing, they're like, nah, the public owns the team. They have to pay for the stadium. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I can see what you mean by that. But they got two I will things say, up there. They got that named after their coach. Point being, I hate the Packers. I hate everything about them. And it's getting worse as Aaron Rodgers gets worse. There is not a more prima donna little bitch boy in all of sports compared to that bullshit artist who's wearing the beanies, throwing the Microsoft surfaces like a fucking child. I hope that Khalil Mack legitimately kills him on the field. I hope that happens. I hate this team and i hope that they suffer forever man for that i you legitimately hate aaron Rodgers that much. i mean I, i'm i'm fully I on board the dylan express and me for saying 78 year old jerry jones was <laughs> yeah you know what jerry jones like, at no, least aaron treats his yeah, at least Look, jerry have... jones treats his family with respect <laughs> I... 
Look, that's I'm just telling you, that is how much I have hated the Packers, and it's been dormant for a while, but now that the Bears are actually relative, like, relatively good again, like, oh, 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 oh. Like uh, they were the year the I Packers hope- won the Super Bowl? I don't want to talk. Oh, shut I, I'm on board the Dylan up. Hate Express. Like, shit choo-choo. up. Let's go. Yeah, me too. I hate the Packers. My uh, cousin Ryan loves them. His favorite player was Brett Favre, much like mine was Randy Moss. Oh, like dude, Brett. Mm-hmm. But he's never he's never wavered off that train. And shout out to Ryan because I know he's listening. But mm. Packers fan lived his whole life in Michigan. I actually, I actually like Brett Favre. I don't know how you could not like him. No, I, 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 I can tell you why. I can tell you why. Because Brett Favre was doing the same thing before Aaron Rodgers was doing, where he'd be, like, "Oh, I'm on TV. I'm Brett Favre throwing interceptions. Oh my God, he's the greatest quarterback <laughs> of all time." Ah, oh man, that was I. You're bringing back dark memories. I'm telling you, uh, think about it. Think how much I hate your school. I hate Michigan. My hate for the Packers from 2000 to 2011 was n- beat it by triple, like triples. I hate the hate man for Beth Favre. Oh, oh, yeah. You know what I did with that case? You know what I did with that case? I burnt it. <laughs> that was that was one of the best Maddens ever. It it was the best Madden, and it had the worst human on there. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm gonna do with your Levi jeans? I'm gonna put them in your locker. Did you set at on least fire root for him in that Monday bomb. Night Football game against the Raiders? I, I doubt this. No, when his dad died. No, no, still. You know. <laughs> He was, he was no, probably no. like, it's a shame it wasn't you. No. I, okay. Okay. Here's the thing. You know, like we talked about this already. We alluded to it. The interception that he threw against the Saints. I don't know if I've ever laughed that much during a sporting event. Oh, no. That was great. That was classic fun. What about trouble with the snap? Was, you didn't laugh harder than that? I didn't laugh. I screamed yeah, was, my head off and hype. threw I literally grabbed my dad and like almost lifted him over my probably head. Probably almost was that adrenaline rush. Poor man. Yeah, well, actually, the worst part was he kept looking for flags. He was like, oh, oh, wait, 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 we need to see if there's a penalty. I'm like, yeah, all right, because PTSD, your father's relax. a sensible human being. And a wonderful no, person. because he's because he like, that's yeah, just the way he is. Because like Lions <laughs> fans, state fans have been beaten down by crap for years, too. So he was waiting can we for talk, it. All right. Can we talk about this shit? All right. Team clock, and the reason Bob. that they're going to be last. They're going to be last in the division. Can we please talk about this? <laughs> I mean, let's, 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 hear, let's hear your non-biased opinion of the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> all right. <laughs> right, so let me tell let me tell you a story about bitch boy Aaron. Didn't you already so tell Aaron, us a story about bitch boy Aaron? Why don't you just tell us about how they're going to do this year? I'm, this is a reason. It's because of this little man who decides I'm the smartest quarterback that ever lived. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to force my Super Bowl winning coach out, and I'm going to put in some scrub yes man. And guess what else, fellas? The minute that there's an audible I don't like, I'm going to check out of it against Khalil Mack, and he's going to kill me. That is the Green Bay Packers season wrapped up in a bow and put on your porch set on fire and there's shit inside so far knocked out of the season the first game against the bears (laughs) i can't tell you guys how much i want dylan to be right far's been knocked out but unfortunately as much dysfunction as there is as much as aaron Rodgers is starting to decline he is the worst as much as he is not a good leader 
good leader. He can lead his own relationship. The Packers are going to finish second in the division, and it's not about oh. it's not about oh. Aaron Rodgers. I'm leaving. Goodbye. It's Thanks about what playing. they've done around him. The Green Bay Packers have actually done a pretty decent darn job of team building, both through free <laughs> a agency. Bit. Rashawn Just Gary. a little I bit. Know this, I know why. This R- Rashawn Gary is – I don't even know if he's going to play this year. And if Rashawn Gary plays this year, I don't think he's going to have a huge impact. I, I don't think he's going to break out until year three in the league. Um, I, I was not as big on Rashawn Gary as some people. He's an athletic freak, and he got – way more hate than he should have at Michigan because people don't understand his role in the defense, similar to Jabril Peppers, but uh-huh. that's fine. Who hasn't done shit. But completely outside of Rashawn Gary, the Packers have done a wonderful job building in both ways. A new general manager has decided that, unlike Ted Thompson, that free agency is a thing, but he did not spend frivolously. I love the moves they've made the past couple of years. Draft, free agency. I think Adrian Amos, one of the most underrated signings of the off, underrated signings of the off season. I, I was kind of like they traded Ha Clinton Dix last year, who I liked a lot, especially coming out of college. I the actually, Bears and Packers traded secondary players. <laughs> they did, and the Packers got the better end of the deal. I like Ha. Oh, I, again, I like Haha a lot. I loved him coming out of college, and I think he's done a good job in the NFL, but you as a Bears fan can't tell me he's as good as Adrian Amos. And what I really like about Adrian Amos is his versatility. Uh, the one thing that he does a lot better than Haha does is his ability to shift over to the slot or cover a receiver. Haha Clinton-Dix is more of a classic safety type, whereas mm-hmm. Adrian Amos has the extra versatility, something that they really need, and... I love Mike Pettin. I think he is a pretty darn solid defensive coordinator. Um, he got some slack for his time in Cleveland, but he is a pretty solid defensive mind, and I think a much-needed change for that team. Everyone talks about Aaron Rodgers. They talk about the marriage to Kitchens and how that's going to go. Like you said, the marriage well, to yes Kitchens. Man. No, kitchens. Oh, whoa. Yeah, no, Wrong team. Kitchens in Cleveland. LaFleur. LaFleur. Fucking kitchens. other overrated ass offensive coordinator. My bad. <laughs> I'm just misspeaking all over the place today. I'm sorry. LaFleur. It's okay. Who came from. And where did he come from again? Tennessee. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He came from Tennessee. That was rhetorical. Sounds like he came from Canada. What has Tennessee done on offense? Besides <laughs> disappoint. Uh, Besides disappoint. So, <laughs> made, made Marcus Mariota look bad. I, making him the head guy, it's all about giving control to Aaron Rodgers to me. I look yeah. at this as Aaron Rodgers already ball. started running the offense and freelancing and doing whatever he feels like. Which, to be real, even if he I calls hate. the called play, he does anyways. And, and this is why and it's the, the thing that bothers me most about all the, the box score fans. With Aaron Rodgers, it might be worse than any other quarterback because Aaron Rodgers has a ridiculous amount of talent. And in his mind, the best way to use that is to literally run around for an eternity until he just throws the ball away or throws it downfield 80 yards, which he does every so often because defenders can't cover forever. But it's also gotten him hurt and banged up the last couple of years that he hasn't been able to finish seasons and hasn't been there for his team. And... He is the safest aggressive quarterback in the NFL because his shots that he takes 
are not really chances. He takes them when he's danced around for an hour, left his offensive line out on an island, and he's either going to get lit up or drop a bomb down the field to an open guy who's uncovered because it's been 15 seconds, which is great, but it hasn't led to the success that they need because they can't (laughs) sustain drives. They can't have consistency. They can't get in an offensive rhythm when your quarterback is just freelancing, doing whatever he wants. And sure, you get the highlight real plays, but where has that gotten them lately? So the Packers have a stretch of games, and I'm curious what record, Paul, you think they're going to go because I think we are in polar opposite agreement here. Polar opposite agreement. Yeah, that's a new one. That is not a saying. (laughs) That is the opposite (laughs) of a saying. It's two sayings. Listen, give him a chance to do a 360. All right, I can't. Apparently, I can't speak, but that's fine. Uh, So from October 27th through November 24th, this is their schedule. At Kansas City, at LA Chargers, Carolina at home, and at San Fran. With Win. a buy in between. Two and two. See, but, but I'm just saying, like, as much as you think they're going to go. I got one like, and three. You know, they're going to be second. That's what I'm saying. I, I got don't... two and two, but at San Francisco, this, this schedule the Panthers for... game is a toss up, but it's at home. Listen, this schedule for, sh- for Green Bay on top of Aaron Rodgers being self destructive, that's why I don't trust them. I get the Aaron Rodgers stuff. I just spent five minutes talking about it. I 100% get it. And you know that I have probably. To what the general public would perceive, disrespected this man more than anybody in the history of ever. Disagree. Thank you for playing, though. You get two biggest Aaron Rodgers haters right? in the universe. I, I, how did we get the only two that hate them that much? That's not true. That's not true. We should call Colin Cowherd, our, us randos. He'll, he'll be like, Rick hey, you're talking, talking crap about Aaron Rodgers? Bet. Let's the go. The Packers got him on speed have done a ton. <laughs> To build around what he does. Yeah, no. Disagree. They are having a yes okay. putting okay. together. <laughs> they are putting <laughs> together. A, a having defense. a yes man having a yes man and in, in just abiding by his bad decisions. Like dude, think like about the de- well uh, think like about the defenses. No, not even close. The LeBron comparison is actually good outside of the fact that LeBron's actually so, good at so the sport here's Paul, here's something, here's something I want you to, to think about. Yeah, Just Rogers while you're Google. talking about that the Packers are going to finish second in the division. You have a, t- a coach that is going to let Aaron Rodgers do his audible, crazy, runaround nonsense that you just described. And he is going to do it against defenses of the caliber of Chicago, Minnesota, Detroit. I, I, I don't see Hold Detroit. On. Don't do that. Stop. Six six games for those teams, plus Carolina, Dallas, and Philadelphia. That dude, he can't sustain that type of model. You say you say the last three like they're long. scary. Like, are you kidding me? Dallas's defense is phenomenal. How's he ever going to get a receiver play past Tia's table? <laughs> it's okay. All right, now, no, now Ryan's just Why are you trolling? I'm being serious. He, he has nine that's games. Why, that's why I'm trolling, because I know you're being serious. So if, you, if your contention is that he is likely to get hurt, just like he I, has. No, lately. I think it's either hurt or I think, well, number one, he is very likely to get, like, again, okay, I was joking about the fact that Andrew Luck would really kill him. <laughs> Uh, we're we're but hoping I, no. that he gets maimed. 
okay, I'm no, but I am serious. Think about the defensive ends that he is going up against with those six teams. And that's not including Denver, who, I'm sorry, Vaughn Miller is still a thing. Like, you gotta think, and also San Francisco has uh, has Nick Bosa, and I'm just Maybe. saying this. No. What do you mean, no? Yeah, sorry. What do you mean, no? <laughs> Get you, you out thought, of here. You thought he was talking about Joey? Yeah, I did. No, and, and that's, really no but that's the thing. <laughs> the, Chargers, the Chargers have Joey Bosa. Well, like, that's... I got confused because we were just talking about the Chargers and San Francisco and back then. Right, right. I understand. But, no, we but saw that, last year, though, my, you can my, succeed without Nick Bosa. But the point is, is they're Fuck going you, up. Man. They are have so they have so many guys, especially exterior pass rushers, defensive ends. That if he decides to do this, and if Matt Lafleur doesn't wake him up and say, "Dude, you gotta stop, or you're gonna get yourself killed," he is going to get himself killed. That's my contention. I'm not even saying Aaron Rodgers is necessarily a no, bad no. player. But he is bad for himself. He is going to get himself killed. He is going to get himself killed. I think that helps. Being able to improvise against those great – So if your offensive line isn't up to snuff, which Green Bay is for a lot of Aaron Rodgers' years hasn't, if you're able to extend the plays, that helps you against those guys because you're able to get out of the pocket and not take those hits. So here's the problem. Ryan is talking about Aaron Rodgers like he's Russell Wilson. It's not. But he doesn't. He, Russell, he doesn't. No, because play Russell the game Wilson is much like smarter. Russell about Wilson. It. Russell Wilson does it when he needs to do it. It is Aaron Rodgers' default. That is the difference. Aaron Rodgers has so much physical talent. More like It doesn't matter a lot of the times. No. And here's another what? thing. He's more like well, Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger, no. it's the same thing. It's his default. Roethlisberger yeah. loves to move and hold the ball no. for too hold fucking on. long. Hold that's on. Not, that's not. That's not even remotely the same. First They're of all, Roethlisberger is a statue who just shrugs off hits because he's right. indestructible. <laughs> no, he Whereas is Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers runs so away from them. But okay. if he does get, no, it, that's because Rodgers still can. I will say no. I'll say uh, Matt is right that Roethlisberger holds onto the ball a lot. The problem oh, is he, is he stays in one place while he does it. No, no. Now he does. <laughs> Because he's uh, been hit so what? damn much, he can't move like he used Ryan, to. Ryan, here's the problem. Ryan, Ralph here's why this is a problem. Absorb the hits a lot better. Ryan, yeah, he's a little beefier. Here's the here's the issue with your contention is that you're saying that oh well, him freelancing and stuff is actually good for him. Here is why it is not. Because if Matt Lafleur is calling a specific game plan, and Aaron Rodgers, who the fuck is lit- Matt Lafleur to call him? Okay, go ahead. I'm so, I'm sorry. Was is he the yeah, head coach? Like he- you're is he like that he's coach? checking out of some offensive gods play? He no, he's checking out of the game like plan. Reed he has been like, no, I'm he has play. been known throughout his career to do this. In fact, Greg Cosell on Colin Cowherd's show is one of the best audio clips ever because he called this shit three years ago. Said that Aaron Rodgers is going to be a detriment to himself because he legitimately does not trust anyone except himself. And the problem is he will check out of plays that are going to work or that protect him. And one time, it takes one play for Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, uh, Hunter, or... Demarcus Lawrence or Von Miller to come off that edge and legitimately who's, end his who's life. Who's Bar playing for now? Who? Who's Bar playing and for now? Anthony he resi- he resigned by for, oh, by Minnesota. Yeah. And you didn't even mention him. He's not an edge rusher. It doesn't matter. He's the one that broke him already. 
I was well. I was just saying that's what you know. Like, like Wait, the isn't point Khalil of it Mack is a linebacker. No, uh, he's an he is a linebacker, but no, he has he, an he's he's like Tom Bahali. He's, he's a, a three four edge player. He's like Tom Bahali. He he goes in the dirt on passing plays, and he does stand up most of the time on first and second down. I love and also to I be fair, defensive Roquan is on is on the field. Very much enjoying the Aaron Rodgers hate. But that does not change the fact that I see this team finishing second. As far as the Packers go, I don't see – I don't know how much the team improves from last year, but I do think they will have a way better record. But I think last year a lot of stuff kind of broke wrong for them. But with Paul, Rodgers does have better weapons around him, kind of what I talked about with Kirk Cousins. He has another year with those receivers, Marquez valdez Scantling. I expect huge things out of Devontae Adams. I expect Aaron Jones to be good at what he does. He should be good at receiving the ball. Hopefully he can add some some type of rushing attack there with it. But I trust Aaron Rodgers more than I trusted Mike McCarthy to call the plays and to call a game. So do you say that Aaron Rodgers has a yes man? I think that's a little bit better for the Packers because I think it's a smarter person doing essentially the play calling on offense if you think that LaFleur is just going to say hey Aaron you got free reign I think that's a good thing for the Packers the defense of course does still concern me so as far as the Packers just in general as a team last year they were what six nine and one which is probably the worst that they've ever finished with Aaron Rodgers starting all 16 games like he did. And he had probably the worst season of his career. Only two interceptions, but also only 25 touchdowns within those 16 games. I'm looking here, and I can't see anything that close with him playing that many games. The only time he's ever thrown less. He played, it looks like, nine games, seven games. And that's, yeah, that's about it. Um, And then 2007, where he got in, it looks like two games, but he didn't start either of those games. So last year was uh, the worst season of Aaron Rodgers' career, so I do expect um, some positive, uh, you know, regression in in that aspect. For him to bounce back and be the Aaron Rodgers that, you know, we kind of know he can be, I do also like the moves that the uh, the Packers made in the offseason. As far as the Packers go, going through their schedule, and I actually uh, flipped it a couple times just looking at other schedules, taking into account short weeks, uh, Monday night football, things like that. So at first, I at first I had them at eleven and five, chopped it down to ten and six, um, and now I have the Packers at nine and seven, going two and four the two and four, excuse me, in the division, and I uh, actually flipped two of the division games. I had them uh, beating the Lions and beating the Vikings before, and now I have them losing one of those games, which accounts for that kind of two game difference. But I have the Packers going nine and seven and finishing third in the division. Uh, for me with the Packers, you know, coming off back-to-back losing, loss, losing seasons for the first time since like 92, the thing that I saw in these two years that have had them so bad have been health issues and big defensive struggles. And I think, you know, if they can get lucky on one side with the health, they really address the defensive struggles. You've got a really young core coming in between Alexander Martinez and Clark. Um, you know, you got these rookies that are coming in as far as Rashawn Gary. We'll see how much after the injury he plays. And then you got some great linebackers in there as well. And then you bring in a damn good, one of the best strong safeties in the game, and Adrian Amos over there as well. I I think their defense is going to be greatly improved. And is going to be one of the ones that really surprise people. 
Offensively, you lost Randall Cobb. That's a big that's a big hit for the Packers with someone that, you know, Rodgers knows as well as he does. They've had a great rapport. Yeah, you kept Devontae Adams. Yeah, you kept Geronimo Allison. Uh, you know, there's Equestrian St. Brown, as I like to call him, because his first name is, is even weirder than that. Equinemius, some crap like that. Uh, you know, could be a spark. We'll see what happens with a high ankle sprain. But I really like this team. I think this team is going to be much better than people think. And while I hear your guys' you know, concerns regarding yours, especially Dylan, regarding Rodgers and the defenses that he has to go against, it's not the first time he's had to do it. He's beaten great defenses before. I think he's got an offense that will allow him to do it and a defense that's going to keep him in the games. And I like them winning the North. I have them going 11-5. and five. Okay, Paul, you're the last one to suck the knob of the worst professional franchise not in St. Louis. Sucking a knob. <clears throat> Mr. Roshan. All right. Sorry, I'm just a little bit shocked. After all I just said about how I don't like how Aaron Rodgers plays the game and how he's held them back at times, and but I'm the knob sucker, I do have them at 9-7 and seven or 10-6. and Finishing second in the I division. Hate this I, I he's got, done that both times I'm, now. He I'm, can't. I'm commit. doing it all four times. No, and, and, and he it. said he's going to do it. I'm doing it all four time. times. I got just a little bit of a spread. So it's consistent with the fact. Of, well, that's okay. it, it's it's consistent with the fact that I think and I truly believe that this division, all four teams, could finish in any order. None would surprise me. You could put any four teams at any spot in the division at the end of the year. And it would not be remotely surprising. That's not what we're here for, for me. Oh, I know it's not, but <laughs> I see. I don't really like to play this absolute game. Uh, all right, come on. That's the, I'm going to derail it. No, we're good. Yeah, he said nine and seven or ten and six. Oh, okay, easy enough. So where does and that where does that put them in the division? I didn't second second place in the division. I think the Packers go eight and eight, but one and five in the division. They're going to drop down to fourth place. Uh, and I think that the time of Aaron Rodgers is going to be dwindling, and this newest injury he's going to receive, and I will tell you the date I think it's going to happen, December 15th at home against the Bears. I have a strong feeling that's when that's going to happen. They'll lose I the last. Winning. I have them winning that game. They'll have the last three games of the year that they're going to wind up losing. Uh, that, that's what I think is going to wind up happening. So, anyways, keep it, keep an eye out for that. Uh... So yeah, there we go. So we're done with the devil. Now we're on now to we're, now we're on to the bears. Dylan's the bears. Ah, yay! Hey, 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 hey. Uh, do you, am I just taking this over, or do you guys want to talk I about mean, I my would, team? You should be the most excited about them, but it doesn't sound like you are. Well, that's because, as Paul has said before, I really like to try to be objective, and uh-huh. the bears have a crippling weakness. And I'm not I, – I, I'm 100% serious when I say this. They are, I would say probably outside of Philadelphia, they are the most talented team in the entire NFL, and they have the one thing that is going to ruin them. <laughs> they have the most talented roster, top to bottom, outside of Philly. I think Philly is the best, but outside of Philly, top to bottom, and they don't have Carson Wentz. You know the NFL just the released the top 100 players and the two teams that had the most of them were the Kansas City Chiefs and the New Orleans Saints. And who was it that uh, did that exactly? Uh, the players of the NFL who vote for the top 100 players. So the players. Yeah, the ones who know the mm-hmm. game. Oh, 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 really? So <laughs> yeah, why don't I pull really. up a t- 
let's pull up other player polls. And by the way, there have been a lot of reports by guys who talk to players that it's just it's just hate that they just they just throw their hate in there. So come on, <laughs> there's bias in them. I'm just make sure you were aware of it, Dylan. I don't care because again, like I, I am a hundred percent. I will tell you, night and day, the Bears are not going to be very good this year. They will not contend. But I'll be damned if you are going to argue with me that they're not one of the most talented teams in the entire league. And it's why it sucks so damn bad <laughs> to receivers? talk about this team. What? What? Oh my god! All right, <laughs> look, y'all are idiots, and it's fine. I respect you for having wrong opinions. But that's okay. 1000, 1000, right? The problem is that the bears have the one thing that they need in order to win and they don't have it. I have no belief even remotely that Mitch Trubisky is going to make any semblance of change moving forward. I saw him last year take a, an offensive system that Chicago has legitimately never had. Matt Nagy is never talked about as an offensive genius. He absolutely is in spades, and it's wasted on, oh, Mitch Trubbs. You know why his Latinist nickname is Trubbs? Is because it sounds as stupid as that kid actually is. He's wasting a, one of the best defensive troops. rosters in the NFL. He is wasting one of the best offensive rosters the Bears have ever had and the best offensive mind we have had in the city ever. Ever. Didn't they and Didn't they it's a lot it's of hate so for a quarterback coming into his third year. He's that awful. And by the way, last year was his second year. The division title under his belt. I would like to point out, by the way, that I am not the only one within this room who holds this opinion, and I am not the only one within the city that hold this opinion either. The whole point of the freaking out about the kicking thing is to ignore the pains of realizing that our quarterback, again, is the reason we will not be winning titles. It hurts so bad. And obviously, you guys kind of understand the pain being that your the lines have squandered so kind much. You said. Uh, well, but it's a lot it's closer a because I, I, I'm I 100% serious. <laughs> if I were to swap the Bears, I, I'm serious about this. Any if the Bears were the to swap. Any quarterback in the division. I would say not only within the division, I would go so far as to say it could be Dak Prescott and we would win the Super Bowl. Give I me. I don't know about Super give Bowl. Me, I, I, do, I do like it, Prescott give more me, than you guys. Okay, do. fine. So within and the I division, like you give you me any quarterback Bowl. in this division, so, we're winning the Super Bowl. No. I'm 100% about this. You're not winning the Super Bowl with Kirk. They, we are Maybe the second Stanford, best roster. Rogers. And I I would argue that Peterson is not as good of an offensive mind as Nagy is. And Chuck Pagano, by the way, is a very good defensive mind. Losing Vic Fangio does kind of suck, but Pagano's going to be fine. And I'm not worried about losing Adrian Amos either because Eddie Jackson will, and HaHa will be fine. That defense is only going to get better. Like Whoa, all right. That, now that's where we cut Crazy Dylan off the segment. He just said that defense is only going to get was a, Roquan Smith was so, a rookie last year, was he not? A huge thing that nobody talked about. Was he about. not? I, I don't care. We're done with Dylan. Was he not? <laughs> Derwin James was a rookie too. And I don't think he was. Derwin James was amazing. What are you talking about? That's my He's point. You can be amazing as a rookie. Like, it's okay. Everyone has talked about how team. Roquan Smith, being that he's so young under Khalil Mack, the fact that we'll have both of them. Come on, fam. Fantastic. So happy. Yes, that it is. And you can make a good first round draft pick. Wish I knew what that was like. 
The Bears defense, while it is going to be very good, is going to have a massive regression to the mean this year. From turnovers, sure. I would agree with that. Well, turnovers are kind of a huge deal. I mean, that's a Khalil Mack. Huge deal. Especially when it comes to fumbles. It is almost statistically impossible, but extremely statistically improbable Unless that you're they will have anywhere near <laughs> the rate of defensive production that they had last year. Yeah, I know it's cliche, offense is so but bad. Like, winning that's the, the turnover battle goes a long way to winning the game in the NFL. Yeah, but when we have a dumbass quarterback, that's now, why it matters. Well, it does matter. Chill. Everybody much. relax. We are just... Out of control. Dylan is passionate. Ryan, I don't know what For Ryan is. For good reason. <laughs> he's, he's he's making these like over exaggerated statements. I I like think I think you're taking more offense to his statements than you should because it's not about the turnovers. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you turn the ball over if you don't do anything with the ball. So let's be real. The defense is going to have massive regression, and it is not just in turnovers. Oh, that that is part of it. I don't care. We talked about Haha Klimdex. Great player. Not Adrian Amos. The loss that I think the defense is going to feel even more. I'm I'm with Dylan on this. This is ridiculous. Matt Matt and Paul. Matt sat there and said one of the best safeties in the entire NFL. Way too much time in the little things. The loss to the defense outside of regression that the Bears are going to feel the most is the loss of Bryce Callahan. People do not understand... Both how good he was last year, he was a borderline top 10 corner in all of the NFL last year. Exceptional, exceptional player. And listen, Fuller got the interceptions last year outside of costing him a game against the Packers last year when he dropped a pick. Uh-huh. Very upsetting to me, still not over that. But Bryce Callahan locked down that spot in such an unexpected or profound way the last year. And what it allowed them to do defensively, the way it allowed them to move guys around like Adrian Amos, the way it allowed them to get aggressive in spots, they can't do that this year. Uh, I do, hold of, on, hold on. You can't, I, I, I really need to correct you on something here because one thing that you are overlooking is the fact that while, yes, Bryce Callahan was really good and Kyle Fuller got the interceptions, what have you, the arrival of Buster Skrine is part of the reason why the Bears didn't re-sign Bryce Comparing Cowan. the two of Bus- them? No, I'm like saying that Buster... I'm not... Trubisky. Was I making a comparison? Was I making a comparison? No, I was saying that the reason why it's easier to get rid of, uh, not get rid of, but just let Bryce Callahan go is because our secondary, Dion Bush and Buster Skrine in particular, really grew a lot, and it's gonna be a lot easier of a transition than a zero sum where oh he's gone and we have nobody behind him. You're acting like you we have what? scrubs. You know what? You're we right. don't. The Saints are gonna be fine when Breeze retires. They have Teddy Bridgewater. They'll what be just a okay. This is They'll not what absolutely I'm... fine. Buster Scrine is in Teddy. Teddy H2O. <laughs> You're at, again, and also you're comparing Bryce Callahan to Drew Brees, the most accurate quarterback right, in NFL let me, history. Before we get just way Come OT on. like we always do, let's put this into simplistic terms. The Bears' defense, for all the talent they had last year, played at the highest level they possibly could have. Their production last year was as high as it could have been as a defense. 
they if they kept every single piece, they were going to regress this year. They didn't keep every single piece. They lost some talent. And yes, Raquan Smith is going to get better, but they lost some key pieces on a defense that allowed them to do some things that they just can't do this year. So you add in the regression, you add in the fact that they don't have as much talent, as much versatility as they did last year. And this is going to go from a historically great defense to a very good defense, which is fine if your defense doesn't have to make up for the fact that you have Mitch Trubisky. And similarly to the Vikings, although not as bad, your offensive line is nothing special. So while you have an I offensive disagree. while you have Very an much. offensive savant on offense, and while he could make do with what you have at the skill positions, although I again we just ignored Jordan Howard like we were Sean Payton and he was Mark Ingram. You don't have yeah, him because anymore. David but, Montgomery is going to actually not a be big right. loss because you, you didn't use him. But at the end of the Better day, you don't have the quarterback. Your offensive line is nothing special. You have Again, a few guys at the skill that? positions that I like. And your defense is just not going to be good enough to make up for it. So while this is going to be a respectable team, they're going to finish last in the NFC North. And they're not going to lose 10 games. But... They're going to struggle in almost every game that they're in. They're going to be in a ton of one-score games, and your offense and your quarterback is going to let you down in those games. Uh, <laughs> all right, then. Y'all are very passionate about these Bears. Look, the Bears had a great season oh, last man. year. Uh, you know, 12-4, and four, fantastic year, looking prime great season. to – it was, it was a very good – what are you talking about? It was a great season. I'm sorry, did we lose at home to a Philadelphia team without Carson Wentz? I think we did. Gonna be honest, what do you mean? Nick Foles is the Super Bowl winning quarterback on that team. What did you expect? Super Bowl MVP. I, I MVP. Will, will defend, they scored 17 Dylan. points. You cannot call no, seventeen. You cannot call 16. a season that ends uh, 16. Yeah, without 16. a playoff win a great season. 16 to 15. When a team it's hasn't awful. even sniffed the NFC Championship or the NFC North title you can call in it a, a long time, you can call it sniffed. Oh, you can call it a good season. You can't call it a great season. I will call it as a Lions fan. I will call a twelve-win season a great. I season. I wouldn't call it a great season. All right. If you don't, you don't win a playoff game. That's absolutely not a great. That is such a cold-ass take. It was their own fault. They shouldn't. They should have lost to Minnesota. That makes it worse. before. They wouldn't that have to deal it with worse. it. Was 2014 a great season That's for the Lions? The Hell no. Why we had ho- so you we are basing their entire the season best. on the kicker who had a who had a no 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 had a kick no time out time out Matt time out Matt and it happened to go out no 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 because if they win that game if they win that game it's a great season by your standards what you just said to me if they win that game it's a great season by Paul's standards because they won a playoff game but because the kick was tipped and it hit both uprights it's not about the kick we scored 14 points at home you weren't an offensive jumper you're going up against the NFL. FC, the Super Bowl champions. Earth to Hollywood, all right? So what defines a great season is results. I don't care about the whys when we're talking about things that are great. And Congratulations. The result, is, hey. result is they didn't win a playoff game. I don't it's not give a, great a season. shit. It's a slam dunk that you are out of your god dang mind. This ain't your opinion, so shit the it's fuck up. It's a bad up. opinion. Coming off a 12-4 and four season, a damn good season. Thank you. Losing. should have been better. Trump's you can say that. You have a second-year quarterback. He's bad. He's not going News to Flash, get you're the better. Chicago Bears. You don't get good quarterbacks. Have you That's looked at your history? Problem. 
This is well in line with I everything you guys it. have done. Ever. I think that's my whole point. It sucks ass that we have great roster. Great Ryan Pace has done an amazing job building this roster, and the one thing he cannot do is understand you don't take a gump from North Carolina with the number six pick. Hey, that trash gump was number three in quarterback rating last year behind only Mahomes and Drew Brees. That is system that is not him. No better under Mac Brown. I, I, okay, Paul, help them, please. The man threw for three hundred yards and no interceptions this. against Philly. How are you going to blame him? You're doing, bo- you're doing box score. I don't, box I don't score fan right now. Thank you for using my line. Uh, I don't know how I can help them more because once you have that opinion, I, you are this? incapable of seeing the light. You just got blinders on. How do you not, guys, not understand how awful? He is how how much he like okay in fairness I understand why you don't because I'm watching the Bear games and I see at least three times a game where Trubs is missing wide open receivers because Nagy calls offensive sets that are so brilliant he literally does not understand them that is his problem <laughs> he he, like he, he legitimately. Cannot this understand. Too complex. It is. I'm you don't not joking. Active on the radio, like radioactive. You just don't get. I'm it not joking. Enough. It's not hyperbole. Ryan, that is Mitchell an Trubisky. All-time all anecdote. <laughs> it was well, very. Good. I hate Dylan. It so you will much. appreciate this then because it's it's I like, don't believe in your quarterback. One thing I'm passionate and about. I believe your defense is taking a step back by losing Vic Fangio. And I believe you're going from 12 and four to seven and nine and third place in the division. Okay. Ass, <laughs> All right. Well, as, Hold up. As I, far as the Bears go, what do you mean? Hold on. I can't. I'm yeah, go on. Pa- Fine. Go on. You do your thing. So as far as the Bears go, I don't expect them to repeat 12 wins. I thought that was over overperforming their talent, even though Dylan thinks they're the best team talent-wise in NFL history. I do think that, is that definitely that was not what I said. <laughs> Last year, no, you said best offense since the '98 Vikings. I heard you. <laughs> so, they would be if they I had think, a quarterback. I think they overperformed their talent last year. I still like the defense a lot. I do think that both Matt and Paul, just like Dylan said, are inducting Adrian Amos into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> this, it's for absurd what, for whatever reason they're doing it. But Chicago still has the pass rushers that they have, and they're still going against at least two and probably three weak O-lines in the division, right? You have Green Bay, who doesn't have much of an O-line. Minnesota, we saw their issues last year. And then Detroit, we know it. Most of our podcast listeners probably know it because they're based around here. No offensive line whatsoever to speak of. So I think Chicago will be fine in that instance where in six games they have a distinct advantage in the trenches on that side of the ball. Mr. Trubisky, he is not a great quarterback. I would never, ever say that he was. I am higher on him than certainly Dylan, uh, but also Paul as well. He doesn't he doesn't make a ton of great plays, but he also doesn't make a ton of mistakes. And last year was the team, I super agree with Paul, and I, thought, I think it's a great point, that that defense absolutely performed to their 100% max level last year. Even if everyone brought back, like you said, they weren't going to be as good. Again, excellent point. Super credit to Paul on that one. And that was 
kind of the last year was probably the year where if they were going to get it done and make the Super Bowl or even win the Super Bowl with Trubisky as quarterback is because that defense played so out of their mind. That defense is still good enough, but I also expect Trubisky to make a step in the right direction. Now, he's not going to become Pat Mahomes, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, any of these guys, but if he can take a step even into like, you know, as a middle of the tier quarterback, uh, if, if he can be, like, at better than Alex Smith, like a more mobile Alex Smith, that's something that the Bears could really use and really rely on. I'm not super high on the running game. I like David Montgomery. I think Dylan likes Tariq Cohen, Tariq Cohen, excuse me, more than I do. Not very high on the receivers. I do like Trey Burton quite a bit. So it's really going to be how much can this offense produce, and that kind of all falls on the shoulders of Mitch Trubisky, which – I think this year is really where we're going to see if he was worthy of the number two pick overall. Because I do uh, think he two, has. Was, no, no, he, he wasn't. He was number two. Are you sure? Right? I thought he was six. Seven. Hold on. I'm, I'm on pro football reference right now. I thought they traded up to number two to get him, but you might be right. But that's not what I wanted. No, he was number draft. two. Yeah, yeah, Shit. number two overall, 2017. Uh, yeah, but, I, I put six so, in my mind to make it better. <laughs> <laughs> PTSD. So we're, I think this is the year we're really going to see it because the offense is expecting more of him. I do agree with Dylan that Matt Nagy, he's, he's a great offensive mind, and he just has to get on that page with his quarterback. But, you know, one of the quarterback's best friends, unless you're stubborn like we were talking about with Aaron Rodgers, is a great offensive coach, a great offensive coordinator, and that's something that I do think Chicago has. So if Nagy is able to kind of mold Trubisky in his image, knowing both his limitations and what he does well, if he can maximize the mo- the mobility and making throws on the run and kind of making plays when things break down and not making too many mistakes, because said he only threw 12 interceptions last year, which isn't a whole lot, and I know he didn't play every game. He played in about 14, but even still 14 or 12 interceptions through 14 games isn't a tremendous amount. Now you want him to up the touchdowns and you want him to up the yards, but that's something that I think is more likely to happen under Nagy than – Obviously, it sounds like you guys do because he's still young. He just turned 25. He was born the same year as most of us, 1994. So this is a guy that can still learn. And if he's just a smart enough person, he'll be able to take in an entire an entire another offseason of what Nagy has told him, build rapport with his receivers, his tight ends, um, you know, even with Tariq Cohen, excuse me, who's a good receiving back and just be able to make that next step forward offensively to take some of that pressure off of a defense where we know already is going to be pretty good, even if it's not going to be the same as last year. So as far as pr- uh, predictions, uh, oh, wait, we haven't done that yet, have we? Yeah, we did. Okay, cool. So I have the Bears finishing 10-6 um, and six in the divi- or ten and six overall and 4-2 and two in the division. Well, thank you, sir. All right, Paul. I'll wait, I'll wait for our had- next team to tell you where I finish total suspense hmm. where paul paul you said yours right i didn't think anyone said theirs but yeah I matt did i did wow then yeah, matt what'd you did. say so i can write it down i said seven and nine third in the division hello hi hello yeah. okay did, my did my show is a record for the bears no. matt did yeah, didn't you? i did not 
Okay. All right. Well, it's your turn. Well, I pretty much said everything there is to say about how I feel about the Bears this year. Much too. Actually, I'm very confused about Dylan because Dylan was super angsty about the Bears, and then he was like appalled by what I was saying, and I'm just very confused. Doesn't really. It's because you're saying a lot. Well, of it, was, it was polar opposite agreement. Uh, yeah, that's actually it's exactly what it is. You're correct. Uh, I see this as a seven and nine, eight and eight team. Last in the division, in a very competitive division. Again, I've said it ten times. Any of these teams could finish at any spot. Wouldn't be that surprising. But for all the reasons I've laid out, defensive regression, you don't have the quarterback. We have we didn't even talk about kicker because it's fresh wounds. Plus, I, let's be real, that should be rectified or at least much improved this year. So it is not, not that big it, of a it, deal. That's that's just that's just bear, again, it's Bears fans ignoring the which, real which problem. Which is fine. Which is and that's why we haven't talked about it at all. Which is not a big deal yeah, because Eddie Pinero is going to be fine. But like I, he, he's been. Fine. What was hey, right now? I'm picking. What was your uh, What was your prediction, Dylan? Huh? What was your prediction for the record? I, I haven't done it yet because I gotta go oh. last because I got a course correct. Yeah, all oh, you I last in the division for the Bears, seven and nine, eight and eight type season. All right, so there's a lot of inconsistencies and inaccuracies being spouted by you guys. And again, in fairness, I am inherently going to be more locked and in tune with this team than y'all are. It's the same thing with how the lines are going to be when we move to them as a discussion point. And I think our contrast is going to be very different in that, and it'll be very interesting as well. Um, I, 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 there's, I'm going to start with this. Paul talked about the defense. He is correct and incorrect in the same point. That's the whole point of what I was saying where it's a polar opposite agreement, right? I think we both agree the defense is going to take a regression. However, I think that we are totally coming from different spots in this. I think the Bears' defense overall is going to improve where it matters. It's a more sustained... It's moving and shifting into a more sustainable model. This is not the Jacksonville Jaguars' defense, and anyone who thinks that it is is going to be very sorely corrected. The Jacksonville Jaguars' defense went from crazy good and just dropped off, off like crazy, and part of it is because... They lost a lot of key guys, whereas with the Bears, yes, we lost guys, but we also not only gained ha-ha Clinton Dix for all-pro best safety who ever freaking lived, apparently, Adrian Amos, we have guys who have been backups who improved greatly, Deion Bush and Buster Scrine in particular. But on top of that, Roquan is in his second year. Akeem Hicks, has, who we have not talked about, is just going to keep on improving. Leonard Floyd and Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack all together for a second year in a row. And also, again, one thing that we are ignoring, Khalil Mack was not in training camp. He has a full camp this time around. And again, Chuck Pagano is not a bad defensive mind. On the offensive side... I think y'all are sleeping all over what the Bears got on offense. Allen Robinson has been really solid, and Anthony Miller, as long as he's healthy, that's that's kind of the thing. He he has scared me this offseason, but Anthony Miller, if he's healthy, is going to take over that spot like an Emmanuel Sanders, a really quick sort of guy in the slot sort of conception with this offense. David Montgomery, great pick. And another thing, and Paul said this, and it is hella incorrect. The Bears' offensive line is not world beaters, but we were not. We were without for the last eight games of the year without Kyle Long, our by far our best offensive lineman. 
he is healthy this year, we are going to have him for, hopefully, fingers crossed, an entire season. That is something that has been ignored. And again, I don't expect Paul to know that off the bat. But All that's right, no, when, when was Long's see, last was, full season? I was going to let the fallacies just go and go because it was his time, and I didn't want to interrupt and be a jerk. But when he says, when he says, I don't expect Paul to know that, that is some absolute horse I'm not, shit. I'm not being no, 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 disparaging. No, 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 no. You're I'm done. not being disparaging. I don't done. expect hey, you to know I trademarked those. No, 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 no. You can't be taking those. First of all, no one said that the Bears didn't have any decent skill position players, and I actually like Allen Robinson a lot. The problem is, how are we getting the ball to them consistently? All right, no, you. But you, you cut just me merged. off. Well, no, no, no. You. But when was just, it's not just I mean, when Long's I last full healthy season? You're expecting a full healthy season on a Long. When was also, the last time you got yep. one in the NFL? Was extremely clear that the offensive line situation is not as dire as Minnesota's or even Detroit's. But it does not do you any favors, and a quarterback like Mitch Trubisky needs a better offensive line. And while Long is a very good offensive lineman, it doesn't make an offensive line. Oh, in the defensive thing? Yeah, it's Mitch Trubisky's third year. I guess he's going to turn into Aaron Rodgers. I haven't even gotten to that point yet. Also, Riley Ridley, rookie uh, that dude, I, I really like that pick as well. I don't think he's going to do much this year, but coming down the pipeline, I think he's going to be real solid. Now, it's back down, quarterback. The kicking situation, thank God we don't have a dude named Blewett who is going to be our kicker. Thank goodness I didn't want those memes. No, Chris Blewett was going to be our starter. Oh, I thought you were just being but, an asshole and saying he blew it. <laughs> no, literally the dude's last name is Blewett. <laughs> Thank goodness he's not our kicker. Eddie Pinero is. He looks really comfortable, and Nagy has been really comfortable with it, so I'm, I'm happy there. I'm so concerned about Mitch Trubisky. I'm terrified. However, Nagy is out. I, I, I would argue he's the best offensive mind in the NFL. I think that he's going to subsidize it enough for us to again win the division back-to-back, but... Just like last year, it's not going to amount to much. I think that we're a 10-6 and six team in a week one at that. Uh, I think that in the division, we'll be 4-2. and two. And again, as Paul mentioned, I think we're not going to win or lose games by very much. I think it's going to be very close games all around. Without the subsidy of the turnovers, the team is going to, is going to look worse because of no progression from Trubisky but even a regression from the team last year is still good enough to win this division in my opinion I mean the last part I don't disagree with that's part of the any four and uh now we're going to move on to the fun bit and uh I I feel like I should go last (laughs) considering that I am by far the most possible you should go first you should definitely go first (laughs) Okay, fine. I'm going to make this real short and sweet. You are arguably the most improved team in the entire NFL as a roster. And anybody, especially the crazy people on some sort of methamphetamine who want to sit there and tell you you're going to be 3-13, get out of here. You, Everyone is undermining... What I didn't the, say three and what the uh, what the Lions <laughs> have done in the offseason. and everyone yeah, that's just gets crazy. tied up in narratives 
especially people following Valeni, but also not because apparently he's like me and the out of towners are the ones most positive about your team. Ironically, just because there were Patriots guys does not mean they're good or bad. It's about them as players and the system you're running. And while I don't really like your coach very much, I actually think that especially after the fact, Daryl Bevel's actually kind of a good idea. Especially if Stafford is hurt. That's something that we keep hearing. And that's something that we were talking about. If he is hurt, the Daryl Bevel system is literally perfect for that. And you got a back that can work with that too. So we did have, um, just quick, one fan question about basically what's the true story on Stafford's back injury. I think he is hurt. I think that's kind of a perfect segue to it. I don't. So if you look at, and I don't know if he's from Free Detroit News anywhere whatever um but jeff risden who has been at camp every single day watching the team said that stafford looks fine he's running around like he has since he has been covering the team and for mike lombardi is the gentleman that said i heard you know is bad right it's still not recovered that's the only the only place that you've heard that source Nobody else with connections to the Lions has reported that. And I know you could say some, obviously, they're just trying to toe the company line. They don't want to put that information out. But there's no way that every single person with sources in the NFL didn't get that information. And Mike Lombardi somehow knows the one person that has all the dirt on Stafford's you know, broken back injury. So I'm going to believe the reporters that are there every day at camp saying, hey, he looks fine. And he looked fine in the limited action that he saw in the third preseason game. Not that that, of course, is definitive or anything. But I'm much, I'm not concerned about Stafford's back, as some of the fans are, um, or even just some of the people even around the country now, because Lombardi has a national or a national platform, with him saying, "Hey, Stafford doesn't have a recovered back." Obviously, I don't have the connections Lombardi has, but just putting the pieces together in my head of nobody else said it and it was only this one man and the people actually covering the team are saying Stafford even looks fine obviously they're not doctors right but you're not going to be running around crazy with the broken back he's looked fine he's moving well what we saw in the preseason game all of that at least to me adds up to the fact that his back isn't as big of an issue at least as Lombardi presented it to be and not might not be 100% healed but if it's 90 or 95% I think the line. I don't think the Lions have much to worry about in that regard. I think you're that. Valeni has really just milked this thing down, whittled all the way, and I think that honestly, we've given more airtime to it than we should because, again, like I said, if he's hurt, you have the system that's literally perfect to make sure that it doesn't get exacerbated. But if he's not, then there's nothing to talk about. And but that was a fan question from who? And I think it? that it is overblown because of one dude who had an agenda to get himself out there and talk. And I they say it worked. <coughs> and, but and then the other questions are, of course, when will the lions get tired of being a laughing stock? Right. The lions can dance because that was the gif on Detroit Sports Nation, them doing an end zone celebration. They can dance, but can they play football? Yada yada yada. But I will say the Lions are probably already tired of being a laughing stock. 
It's probably a safe bet. I don't think they are even remotely, and I think that everyone is too negative about them finally having a vision that actually I think will be a sustainable model. You got the right guys, the right staff in place for it. The offensive line, well, yeah, it's going to be a worry. At the same time, I just I think your defense is good enough; it'll keep you in games. I'm I'm quite positive on you guys, actually. So, I mean. I would call them a laughing stock, but I hate. I'm I'm very over the tired narrative of, are they sick of it? When are they gonna get their act together? Uh, like spoiler alert! Obviously, they don't want to <laughs> suck. Most of them do try extremely hard, even if it wasn't for the team, it would be for themselves because you kind of gotta play decent football to get those big contracts. It's just absurd to act like these guys don't care. Listen, the team wants to get better. They have no idea how to do it, and I haven't seen a GM at the helm that's capable of getting them there, but that doesn't mean that they're not trying. And you can point to ownership or point to whatever you want, but again, it's not like the owners are actively like, I want this team to suck. They just have no idea how to put the proper people in place to change that. So that narrative, to answer the fan question, I I very much hate. That's another lazy narrative, and it's another... It's just an easy way to explain 60, 70 years sorry, of being Phil, terrible. Phil asked about the bag. I don't, I don't know the gentleman. So I have, so I have a question. Do I, do, do I have time to go now? Because is this when y'all are going to start, you know, pining and whining about your team? I, I thought you went, but you yeah, can go further yeah. if you have some. No, I, I'm, I mean, there's not much more to expand on because I think you guys are going to try to deconstruct it. So, whatever. <laughs> All right. I mean, you're the, you're the last person to be talking about pronunciation. It's not. That's, that's a completely so, different word. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take a step back, though, because I think that y'all, again, you gave me the airtime for the Chicago stuff. Appreciate that. So please tell me why I'm wrong, apparently. Please. Did you say what Matt first? Did you say what the final say record was? Go ahead. No, I'm not going to do well, that. I think what we are you doing? You're not going to do that well, yet. We I, all I, did well, it at the end of ours. Matt's going to tell you super why you're wrong. <laughs> okay, well, fine, Matt, to appease you, because I think you're probably the one who is the most polar oppositely the same as me. Is, uh, <laughs> he, he has a complete 360 of your opinion. That's right, a 360 of my opinion. Uh, I think that the Lions are probably going to be 9-7. and seven. They're going to be second in the division. They're going to be 3-3 three and three in the division as well, and I think that they are going to get the last wildcard spot. Hey, uh, broken back, healthy back, no running back. All the running backs. Does it really matter? Lions four and twelve. <laughs> In all seriousness, the Lions improved defensively a lot after they acquired Snacks Harrison last year. They allowed just eighteen points per game second half of the season. Uh, adding Trey Flowers, who had the second most pressures in the NFL last year, can only boost the defense. And if guys like Ashawn Robinson. Deshaun Hand, Romeo Kawa can actually step up. It can make this group elite. But the secondary is a giant question mark to me. With guys like Tracy Walker, Rashawn Melvin, backing up Darius Slay and Quandre Diggs. The secondary is a huge question mark to me on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, we got great skill position players. Kenny Galladay has made a great stride to becoming a number one receiver. We know what Marvin Jones can bring. He's great, if not consistent. Danny Amendola is a sure hand, and he steps up when he's needed the most. And we've really upped our game when it comes to the tight end positions. Bringing in Jesse James from the Steelers and signing TJ Hawkinson. Um, and it looks like, 
As far as the running backs are concerned, they found their back last year in on Johnson. Can he stay healthy? We're going to have to wait and see. To me, it still comes down to the fact that the Lions don't have an offensive line. And until I see an offensive line, I can't have any faith in this team. And when I look at their schedule and I see that three of their first four games are against semi-juggernaut teams. Not a friendly start. Where the Chargers, the Eagles, and the Chiefs. Boom, boom, boom. When, When three of their first four games are against the Chargers, the Eagles, and the Chiefs, to get things rolling while having to start on the road against the Cardinals, against a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. Well, last year they were at home to start the season against a rookie quarterback, and we got decimated. 48 to, what, 13? Some crap like that? We started with the pick freaking awful, and the season <laughs> went from there. I see no reason to see any great leaps out of this, ti- out of this Tigers, out of this Lions team, when I still don't see any oh, kind man. of offensive line for them. Until I do, I can't have any faith in this team. I do have them going four and twelve and last in the division. Oh my god, four and twelve. Are you for That's, real? Oh my, god. I'm absolutely you, for real. Are you for real? It's, it's, Ryan, it's unbelievable. Ryan, take the second care of this. Time I heard it. Me and because me and Matt were. Talking I thought about he was before, joking the first time. Before, but four and twelve. Holy shit. So as far as the Lions go, they have improved a ton on defense. Like I said before, when we were talking about uh, Mr. Bushy's question. And Lombardi's comments, I'm not concerned at all about Matt Stafford's back. I do like what Daryl Bevel brings to the offense, some balance. Uh, because to me, it's really kind of the dream scenario when you have the pass-run balance, but your quarterback can pass the heck out of the ball. And that's what the Lions have. Do I probably want to see a little bit more of Stafford? I would say yes, just considering what we're hearing. But again, we we really haven't seen it in action yet, Daryl Bevel in those Lions offense. But I do love the receivers. I'm a huge fan of Kenny Galladay, and the way you describe Marvin Jones was perfect. You know, he is consistent, and he is a deep threat. Not a huge fan of the Danny Amendola signing, but he's someone that I can see uh, developing rapport with Stafford pretty quickly. Uh, Hawkinson and Jesse James, both at tight ends. I like them both a lot, even if I didn't think Hawkinson was the right pick there. It's not a knock on Hawkinson. It's just what we could have had. But as far as that offense goes, Hawkinson provides immediate uh, run blocking impact and also pass catching. And if they run those two tight end sets covering Hawkinson and both Jesse James with even a smaller slot corner or a slower linebacker is going to be something that's very difficult for defenses. So I think the Lions are going to be able to give them a lot of different looks. Uh, as Really just as long as Daryl Bevel is kind of smart enough to take advantage of that, and I think he is. I do like what I'm hearing from camp in concerns with Matt Patricia as a head coach because last year we heard a, a whole hell of a lot of these guys don't want to play for Matt Patricia. He works the veterans too hard. This year, we're really kind of hearing the polar opposite. Is guys like playing for Patricia. That's why Mike Daniels came to Detroit. He went as far as to call uh, Matt Patricia a genius. They did sign Trey Flowers. They uh, re-up snacks for uh, one year after this year, I think, for $12 million, which is really kind of a hell of a deal for both parties. So really in that aspect, and even in really kind of just the team building aspect, 
I don't love everything Bob Quinn has done, but he has made he has improved the Lions roster from when he got it. And for me, I really don't think that's arguable, even if I don't agree with every decision. The secondary is a concern, but the best way to kind of mitigate the secondary's weaknesses is to get to the quarterback fast. And that's something that I really do think the Lions can do. We have to see it with Trey Flowers because he's never been a big sack guy in his career. But he's also been in a system where he really kind of wasn't asked to do that. So if you put him on the line, uh, you know, with a guy like Deshaun Hand, Ashawn Robinson, Snacks Harrison, it's there's a lot of depth on that defensive line. Uh, it's not even including a guy like uh, Okwara, right? There's a lot of depth on that defensive line. The guy that they just got from Clemson, Clemson Austin Bryant, I think is his name. So there's a lot of moving pieces there, which is going to keep the line fresh. I am concerned about our linebackers, considering uh, Jared Davis will probably miss part of the year. And the offensive line is, of course, my biggest concern uh, with Frank Ragnow part, probably missing part of the year, even though it doesn't sound like he's going to miss the entire season. So that's definitely something that, you know, you're concerned about going in and looking at the Lions schedule. The first part of it isn't friendly at all, right? You have a Arizona, you have even at Arizona, it should be a chalk win just with that defensive line getting that much pressure on a rookie quarterback who doesn't have that many weapons around him. Larry Fitzgerald is old. Uh, I know Andy Isabella is fast and Christian Kirk, but those aren't guys who are, you know, by any means proven receivers in the league. Against and our unproven a, secondary, though. New coach. I mean, Darius Slay is proven. He can only cover one guy. Has proven he's been good, right, in the slot. Um, and I like Quandre Diggs a lot at safety. But that should be a win for the Lions. And then Chargers at home, on the road at Philly, Chiefs at home. Those are all probably three losses. But then the the rest of the schedule, which is kind of the benefit of uh, finishing last in the division, is you get the the last place teams of the other divisions. It is very, very friendly. Uh, we go at Green Bay the next week. We get the Vikings at home, which I have as a loss. But then you kind of look at this stretch where I don't see a whole lot of losses. You're at home against New York. You're on the road against the Raiders. You're on the road against Chicago, which is kind of the only loss I have in the stretch. On the road against Washington. You're at home against the Bears on Thanksgiving. You're at Minnesota. You're at home against the Bucks, And then you're on the road against Denver. And really, none of those teams are world beaters. Like I said, the only loss I see right there is against the Bears. And that's because you're on the road against a team that has no Khalil Mack rushing against your very, very weak offensive line and just the defense in general. But really, that pass rush is, I think, going to get to Stafford a lot. Um, but other than that, it's a it's a lot of wins and a lot of winnable games. And the Lions have a lot of guys on their roster that I think are improved from even where they were just a year ago. Uh, I like on Johnson a lot. I like the addition of C.J. Anderson. I hope they don't use him as much as I think they're going to, so that kind of worries me. I'd like to see carry on more as a feature back and not bring in C.J., you know, kind of in those third-down situations like we've seen in the preseason. I would like carry on to remain on the field. I don't, I don't know the percentage, 80, 85, 90% of the time, whatever it is, but I want to see carry on take on that feature role. But at the end of the day, looking at the schedule – and I wasn't trying to be 
a homer. I wasn't saying, hey, the Lions are going to go out and absolutely ball out this year. For every team in the division, I did it game by game. Okay, this is a win. This is a loss based on things like short weeks, uh, you know, kind of who they played the week before, how drained they might be. And with doing that, I actually have the Lions at 11-5, and five, which for me is first in the division. So they're going to win the division the first time in – I don't know, 100 years is probably a safe bet. So they're going to win the division and go 4-2 and two inside the division, which means that they'll have a bye, or it doesn't mean they'll have a bye week, excuse me, but it means they'll at least have a home playoff game. But just breaking down the schedule, after the first four games, it gets very, very smooth sailing, in my opinion, as long as the Lions are able to do what they want to do, and I do have them winning this division based on the schedules. All right, and now it's on to uh, Paul, so everybody – if you want to skip did I did I miss the record prediction in there? Yeah. Eleven and five. Eleven and five. It cut. I cut out for me. I just okay. Well, my bad. All right, everybody, strap in. Paul's going to talk lecture us for four hours. Well, I, I talked a lot, so Paul, you can talk as much. There's not. Time. This is actually why I wanted to go last because a, I didn't want to get worked up in talk a ton about this team that is extremely upsetting to me, and this trash ass general manager. But this team is basically a poor man's Minnesota with an improvement at quarterback. That's the biggest difference. They have probably a similar level coaching staff to Minnesota. They have a defense that, while it's going to be pretty solid, it's not as good as Minnesota's. Uh, They have skill position players that, while pretty solid, are not as good as Minnesota's. Uh, They have an offensive line that's a complete abject disaster. They have a pretty darn good quarterback. Uh, I don't need to go on about how I feel about Stafford. Everyone that listens to the podcast or has ever talked to me knows exactly how I feel about Matthew Stafford. So, very much like Minnesota, this team, the entire season, rests on the offensive line more than anything else. Except they have a little bit lower ceiling than Minnesota because they don't have as much at those other places. The one equalizer that we do have is Matt Patricia. And you can say what you want about last year, about his head coaching ability and his acumen. I don't care about any of that. Because I wanted Matt Patricia to come to Detroit for one reason, and that was because I do very much think, just just as much as Dylan sucks off Matt Nagy's offensive intelligence. Because I'm... In less words, that's how I feel about Matt Patricia on the defensive side of the ball. And now we are starting to have the pieces that he is going to be able to do some of the things that makes him look so intelligent on that side of the ball. Now, it's not perfect, all right? Our secondary is still a hot mess. I'm not sold on Tracy Walker. Uh, I love two pieces of our secondary. I very, very much like Quandre Diggs at safety. Yeah. And obviously, obviously, Darius Slay, one of the best corners in the NFL. But outside of that, you're paying $9 million to a slot corner who did not do well when he bumped outside. But we are so atrocious outside, we might need to take that $9 million slot corner and play him outside more than we want to. And then we have guys like Tease Tabor fighting for playing time. And that is a recipe for disaster, especially in a division that has... <coughs> Prolific passers and elite receivers. Bless you. Now, uh, the one team we can get away with it in division 
is Chicago. They don't have the quarterback, and they don't have enough weapons to punish us as much. But even that's a dangerous game because Matt Nagy is a brilliant defensive mind, and he will be able to find... Defensive, you say? I'm sorry. Offensive. Best offense is a good defense, right? He will be able to pick apart our holes. And I worry about guys like Gerard Davis, about guys like Jelani Tavai, who's going to see a lot of playing time as a rookie, guys like Tees Tabor, and the myriad of non-NFL caliber corners that we have behind Darius Slay and Justin Coleman. Those are the things that I worry about when going against a team like that. But Allen Robinson doesn't worry me because Slay's going to take care of him. And we're going to move guys like Quandre Diggs around. Tracy Walker did so show some promise last year. And our, our defensive line is extremely good. Now, it is a little bit overrated because of how important past defenses in the current NFL. We have the best run defense line in the NFL, period, bar none. But our pass rush is not elite. It's good, solid, but it's not elite. And that's what separates this from being a great defensive line. And people talk about how good they can be. Well, yeah, we got some names and some high-paid players there, but we're never going to be elite at rushing the passer. But if we can shut down the run, maybe make teams a little bit run dimension, one-dimensional, which we'll have to score to actually do that, We have something to work with, and I think Matt Patricia can do the rest. So this defense is not going to be great, but they're going to be good. They're going to be solid. They're going to keep us in a lot of games. But how is the offense going to sustain anything as bad as this offensive line is going to be? How? Where where is it coming from? Darren Bevel's only success has been with good offensive lines. It's been with a pounding running game. Listen, I like Kerryon Johnson. I like the weapons that we have, but... What were we terrible at last year? We don't get separation. How the hell are you supposed to make the quick developing plays if you can't get separation? There is no way outside of Matt Patricia doing one of the all-time coaching jobs with the defense and Stafford just transcending all that this team is good enough to do something like win a playoff game this year. The offensive line is too much of a disaster. Now, I do something every year with the Lions, and it's been pretty darn accurate, actually. I I think it's been about four or five years since I've been more than a game off with the Lions. I have a little formula that I use, and I'm not going to get into it, but I go through the Lions schedule. I use some metrics from last year and some projections, and I put it together, and I assign a probability to each game on the on the schedule. And things change, of course, and I do factor for things like injuries, where the games are. But I got this team on my formula at nine wins this year. And I think that's pretty reasonable because my gut shot was an eight and eight, nine and seventeen, which is what I'm gonna stick with for this. As you could say about any team in this division, the strengths are pretty clear and the holes are even clearer. The deficiencies, so clear. This team, to compete with the Vikings, who are a better version of themselves, to compete with the Packers, who are a more complete team and who most people would say have a better quarterback, to compete with the Bears, who... 
as Dylan said, have the greatest defense of all time and the most brilliant offensive mind of all time at the same time. And then you have Ryan downplayed the schedule to me. I don't think it's that tough, man. I don't think it's the toughest schedule we've ever faced. But I see automatic losses on the schedule, which is never good. I mean automatic, outside of division. Games you're not winning. You're not beating Kansas City. Don't care that it's at home. I didn't, I didn't have him win that one. Chargers, 30% chance maybe didn't, to win didn't, didn't only because you're at one. home. So they're starting 1-3 and three and finishing 11-5 and five in my in The my back estimation. end of the schedule does get easier, but I, you're going to count so a game. You're going to count a game like Denver as a win where you have to go two mile high. We're on I the don't. road. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> We're on the road with that offensive line against that defensive front. I mean, so that one was a toss-up, but again, Denver isn't very good on the other side of the ball. They're not. So where you could say that? our offense <laughs> against their defense is crazy, our defense against their offense is also Listen, crazy. Listen, we should win that game, by all means. But right, which I count as a win, and I'm not disagree. doing this. They can go X, Y, and Z or Z. There are not. Like Listen, I, I gave two I'm outcomes that are right next to each other, ground. all right? And I said I got them in nine wins. But I, for every team, I, I'm giving them two within a game. Eight and eight, nine and seven. I don't think that's unreasonable. We're making projections here. Most of the games on this list, I mean, what games do you look at as almost a guaranteed win? I got two. I have so Arizona, Arizona, or I'm sorry, Raiders, I got three. I got Arizona week one. Bucks. I got the Bucks. I, I think we should beat the Bears on Thanksgiving. Well, I'm, I'm talking about like close to a guarantee. Giants. October 27th. That's where I, those are my three. So I got Arizona, I got the Bucks, and I got the Giants. Those are three. I don't know I how you call anything a guaranteed much, win for the Lions on the road. I said, on the road, though. I said just about a guaranteed win. No, right. I, I, that's not But they're I'm starting saying, on the road. So we have, got, so, you got no, that's fine. That's fine. So we got three wins that I will chalk up right now. We also have a handful of losses that I will chalk up right now. You're not beating the Chargers, you're not beating. Kansas City. Don't have us. You're not beating don't the Eagles in Philly. You're not, not. Don't have us beating them either. You're not beating the Vikings on the road. It's not happening. Or the Packers or the Bears. No, I no. See, well, no, you're, you're being so ridiculous. So you're, you're coming off a you're long being ridiculous. week when you play the Vikings on the road. You That's have fine. 15 days rest. They are. 14 days rest. They are a better, maybe, maybe better version of you. But you have 10 days rest. Against they the are Vikings a better version of you. That is playing at home in an in-division game. I don't see it. You could. Sure. You got about a 30% chance to win that game. But it's not likely, man. It's going to be tough. It's, it's more than 30. It so, I'm looking at 3-3 three and three off the rip. And the rest of the games are close to toss-ups, man. The rest of the games are close. Matt's the one way and you're the other way. You guys are polar opposites, but realistically, so you're three and three. You got ten games left. The rest are pretty much toss-ups. So if you lean, so at Oakland should not be. So, okay, so that's fine. So give them that. Oh, so man. give them that. So they're four and three, and the rest are toss-ups. That puts you in eight, nine wins. That puts you right there where I'm projecting them to get to eleven. You think we're gonna lose the Cowboys? To get to a, do I think we're gonna lose? No, I think it's a toss-up. I, I'm not. I don't have great conviction that we're going to win. I think we got about a 55, 60 percent chance to win that game. We're asking for conviction. We're asking By for the conviction. way, I do want to point out Sir? that y'all were laughing about my polar opposite agreement. Yet 
Paul and I have the same record for the Lions, but again, we came to it in different ways. So, heyo, my flub turned out to be accurate. <laughs> that was what a humble brag, guys. Still not accurate. Oh, I, I, it is. And we it should be Washington, is. no matter who they start a quarterback, Alex. Except for the fact that for whatever I, reason so we suck at Washington. So we no, you can't. Right, so that's so Ever. Washington is a perfect example of counting wins that you can't count. First of all, I think we're doing predictions. <laughs> like, what Hold do you on. mean? You I have, have to count it as a win or I as a loss. I have a question. Yes, ask away. Question. So there's a philosophical thing that Matt said. That I agree with, and it's why, like... Just call every game a toss-up, and you don't have to make a meaningful no, prediction. No, 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 no. Is that okay. what he said? Okay, I didn't simmer say down, that. first off. Simmer down. I'm not your enemy. I mean, we're not Just going through the up. schedule in naming each no, one but why I go, We're projecting but for why, a, a but season. But why talk... So, okay, when I'm talking about the Bears, and I've been talking about all these teams, the only thing I ever talked about was how Green Bay, top to bottom in their schedule, face a lot of defensive lines that are going to make Aaron Rodgers hurt. What is the point... In going through each individual game to be like win loss win loss like well, realistically so you can get a better opinions. idea of the schedule so hold on, because hold your on, opinions hold on. your no, opinion that gives you a better idea than the schedule of looking so at the Bears first and of saying, all oh, eight and eight because no we are what. a Detroit it's Sports be- Nation sponsored podcast and so we I are all I can't finish my question we, I am answering your question I understand I'm answering part of your question I'm answering your question I didn't finish your question I'm sure it'll be profoundly different. My point was was that every single one of my predictions has just been based on an overall feel for the season and that the wins and losses are going to mesh with however the team itself is going to take form. So, in fairness, Paul, I do kind of find it confusing that you have all these criticisms that you're talking about with the Lions, yet you say 9-7 and because you're going through the schedule. To me, in my opinion... I think you, you have to go through the schedule. If you think that a team is going to be a certain way... Who they're facing isn't going to matter. It's going to take form based on how you feel they're going to take shape. But it absolutely makes matter. Right. Who they play is how the record's going to reflect. These are the teams that are going to determine the record. I don't understand how you don't look at the record. I don't like going through. I don't like going through schedules when it comes to pro because road games don't matter as much. That's what I'm saying. How, how do you predict a team's record without looking at who they play? How does because, that again, sense? if they're going to be a, if they're going to take a certain shape in a certain form, the wins and losses are going to come you guys around that. are speaking it's two different languages true. and trying to argue semantics. It's something that nobody is interested in doing. So to yeah, simply neither is breaking down where the Washington answer your question is not goddamn to, true. To that's answer why, that's why no one's in doing it inefficiently as possible, we are. A Detroit-based podcast, whether you like it or not, and three of us are Detroit fans, so obviously we're going to be a little more. I wouldn't do it with the Bears. A little it's more in-depth and long-winded on our own team. Second, Matt didn't mention the schedule. The only right. reason I started picking the schedule apart was to address what Ryan already said about the team, which was relevant to the conversation. I didn't go into this to break this down game by game because at the end of the day, I actually think it's pointless and that's why my formula that I use, that I made, assigns probabilities to games because there is no cut and dry wins and losses for the most part. So your whole thing about meshing, you lost me when you got to the point where it doesn't matter who you play. That's completely inaccurate. I'm not saying that. I'm saying for what we're talking about at this moment. It's not just picking wins and losses on the schedule. You can't do that because that's how you 
make bad predictions. It really is probability based. Florida State, word up. Yeah, if, now you can just predict them to have two Last year. No, no. Okay, literally my prediction about Florida State is proof example, of that because Alabama straight up killed example, Francois. A perfect example. Last year, most people would have assigned yeah, at least probably it. about an 80% chance to us beating the Jets. Those same people, actually, speaking fans, they would have said 90% we beat the Jets. Rookie quarterback, garbage team the year before, 90% we beat the Jets. Those same fans, though, would have said that we had about a 10% chance of beating the Pats with Tom Brady. We split those games, which is exactly what probability would have had you doing, but it didn't go the way you expected. That's why picking wins and losses on the schedule doesn't make sense. In the end, you get to a weird record that, that doesn't mesh with the likelihood of something happening, which is why I think both Matt and Ryan are absurd with their takes on opposite ends. But it's fine. You're absurd, you little it's bitch. Fi- <laughs> it's fine. Damn. I have us at nine wins based on my math, which is my interpretation of how things are going to go. Eight and eight, nine and seven. I think, it, again, you're Minnesota light. You're a poor man's version of Minnesota. The offensive line's going to do you in. You have a great quarterback, probably going to have a good defense, great defensive coach. Don't know what else you have. The one thing that we didn't talk about too much, Dylan touched on, is the hire of Darren Bevel. I absolutely hate it. Um, it, 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 it makes no sense at all. You have a strong-arm, deep-throwing quarterback and want to run a ball-control offense because – you came from the Patriots, and that's what you do because you have a completely different type of quarterback. Genius. We don't have the personnel to run it. It's nothing like personnel that Darren Bevel's ever had at any of his stops. It's a future and move. It A future move for what? For the offensive for line For the personnel that we have, will get eventually. For the feature back that you don't have. For the different completely Wait, what are you different trying to say type, about carry-on? For the completely different type of – hey, I didn't say it. Bob Quinn said it. For the completely different type of receivers that you have, it's just absurd. And let's be real, by the time we'd make that transformation, these guys will be gone if it doesn't work with this team. So I think the hire was ridiculous, but it will be a step up from past years because no one's going to look worse than Lombardi and Cooter did. So it is what it is. This is a team that is severely flawed, but at the same time has some talent and something's going for them in a division that's more or less the same. They're going to finish third in the division with around an 8-8, eight 9-7 and, eight, and seven record. If I'm pegging an exact number like Ryan really wants me to, I'm saying 9-7. and seven. All right. We are done with the pro game. We are going down to the college game. It's time to talk Saturdays and maybe a Friday or two. And we have got... Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games for you this week. Oh, I gotta look. I gotta look. You might want to actually look at these. It's ten every week, and I. I just got word that it's ten every week. I can't wait for Dylan to complain about the game choices. (laughs) Just got word. I don't care. Look, I know. Oh, holy crap! We got a couple. We got more than Friday and Saturday. We got a Thursday game and a Monday game. Su- Although Sunday, Paul is definitely fantastic. missing some matchups. No Saturday. Wait, uh-huh. Paul, give how me, do we give have the matchups? Hang on. Give me how do we have no Saturday games for our first weekend of college football? Uh, I think. That's yeah, I true. think this is wrong. The the, the Friday ones. I gotta fix that. Don't worry okay. about that. So some of these yeah, games no, actually Oregon, are Saturday. Oregon Auburn is definitely. A okay, so just make sure. So so is- <laughs> All right. So yeah, I'm looking at a incorrect graphic. Anyway. <laughs> Wait, so you're presenting or is Paul? Because Paul did I'm, I'm going to present, but I'm letting Matt introduce yeah. the topic. So, Paul, to you. 
Woo! Awesome. <laughs> cue the, cue <laughs> the drums. So as <laughs> amazing as college football the first week is, it doesn't always present the most exciting matchups. But what's awesome about this is we have Thursday through Monday, which is Yeet. wild to me. It really is wild. But we're still, we got three games on Thursday that we're starting with. 7 p.m. the first one. This one is more interesting for the coaches that are involved. We got UCLA traveling to a Cincinnati Bearcat team led by Luke Fickle. It's coming off an 11-win season. Cincinnati is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. This one I'll choose Cincinnati. Anybody that's a under three-point favorite at home, I'm going to give them three really just for being the home team. UCLA coming off the atrocity that they had last year. Their defense still shouldn't really be all put together yet, especially under Chip Kelly. And while I do just like him as a coach in general, I don't think they'll be ready enough for week one. And I do think Cincinnati is the better team. So give me the two and a half. I'm in lockstep with Ryan on this one. Uh, while I expect better things out of UCLA this year eventually, uh, to start the season on the road with an unproven offense, and unproven defense, uh, too much for me. Definitely the Bearcats. Uh, even though Ryan believes that Cincinnati is going to go into Columbus and beat Ohio Never State, uh, you absolutely nope. did. Uh, <laughs> I said it would be Kelly, a better game. Chip, <laughs> Chip, Kelly, Chip Kelly's UCLA program is just in dire straits. It's going to be uh, Luke Fickle, and I'm pretty sure Paul has a different word for his last name, but the Bearcats. It's still Fickle. It's just spelled Fickle. <laughs> Brilliant. Jesus. Brilliant. Oh, no. Gold. Right. <laughs> Listen, anybody that knows how Luke Fickle's name is spelled will understand. And if you don't, that is not my problem. And you had to spell it out with as much awkwardness as possible. Last year, Luke Fickle turned a four-win Cincinnati team into an 11-win Cincinnati team that beat, I want to say, Virginia Tech in a bowl game. Uh, real, real solid showing by the Bearcats last year, especially coming from the conference that they play in. UCLA would love to do the same thing in Chip Kelly's second season. I don't see this is a tough game to start off with. If it was at home, maybe, but I just I, I don't see them getting it done. Hope they do. Don't see it happening. Moving on, you have Georgia Tech traveling to number one in all the land, defending national champ Clemson. They're 37-point dogs, man. This is a game I expect Clemson to win like 56 to nothing, so I'm going to take Clemson to cover the entire 37. Uh, I see Clemson winning something like 48-13, which would definitely be within the number, so I will go with the Yellow Jackets. Uh, it's the rambling wreck from Georgia Tech in their crazy cool car from 1920. They'll cover the spread. I think they'll actually be closer than the experts think. I don't want to pick either of these teams, but I, I can't pick Georgia Tech. The spread is absolutely absurd, but first game of the season, Clemson's going to come out on a roll. You're going to see probably three quarterbacks for Clemson because they can, because Georgia Tech and the rest of the ACC is so terrible. It, Ryan said it. This game is going to be like 50 to nothing. Moving on to a game that should be a fantastic game, and this one with Rivalry. what some people Holy call war. a playoff sleeper. We have Utah, 14th ranked Utah, and a true playoff sleeper in my opinion too, traveling to BYU Brigham Young as a six-point favorite on the road in the first real rivalry game of the season, Florida, yeah. that was garbage. <laughs> 
normally anyone on the road against BYU, I would pick BYU, but Utah's used to playing in that environment anyway. So for me, it's not the home field advantage isn't going to be so much for BYU. I'm going to pick Utah in this game because they're used to that type of element. Uh, one thing in football almost always travels, and that's defense. And Utah's got it in spades. Uh, BYU, I think, is going to have problems keeping up. Um, while Utah's not a juggernaut offensively, I think BYU's defense is nowhere near what Utah brings to the table, so I will go with the Utes. Well, Kalani Sataki, who had been for the head coach for BYU, you just wanted to say that on. He moved on to Navy. This is going to be win number nine in a row in the Holy War for Utah. I'll take the Utes. I gave it away in my intro. Uh, Utah is a playoff sleeper because if the winner of the Pac-12 is undefeated, they're probably in a playoff spot. And Utah could theoretically do it, and their season's not going to get derailed in week one. They're going to come out to make a statement. And uh, unlike most rivalry games where anything goes, I really expect Utah under arguably the most underrated coach in the entire country to absolutely roll in the open by double digits. Whose name is? Suck it. <laughs> Kyle Whittingham. I don't, I don't understand this thing that if I don't say somebody's name, because the like audience doesn't know, dude. No, I'm trying to get you to say it, not for us, but for people so listening. So you know what they can do? They can Google Utah. No, no. just say the name. God. To the JV. Or no. Yeah, the JV. See, see, the JV in college plays on Friday. And, of course, that's where 18th ranked Michigan State would start the season on a Friday because just not sure if they're Which good enough It's what we've done Saturdays. for five years in a row. <laughs> right, when Clemson's starting on What is this troll? What is this troll? Yeah, Clemson's on Thursday. Well, Clemson's Get out the of here. national champs. They can do whatever the hell they want. But that, no, that's okay, the freshman whatever. team. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Michigan State at home against an abysmal Tulsa team. 22 and a half point favorites for the 18th ranked Spartans. This should be very I'm, short for I'm going to this game. If they don't win by four touchdowns with the defense that they have, Tulsa likes to run the ball. And healthy Lewerke, healthy every offensive lineman except Jewins. Michigan State should roll this game. I uh, absolutely agree. It's going to should be a complete opposite start to the year from last season with Utah State. Utah State is a damn good team. Tulsa is not uh, as abysmal as our offense was last year. Uh, the defense should put them in some pretty good positions. They put points on the board. Uh, they better cover this spread. Uh, I would say that Mark D'Antonio should lose his job if Tulsa scores a touchdown. You don't get to sit there and try to make oh, that's that ridiculous. slanderous bullshit of, oh, we're going to have 200 yards combined rushing. Number one, that's weak as shit that you can't just sit there and say that you're going to do it. And number two, you're going to say it at all. I hope Kenny Willekes destroys these poor dudes' careers. Tulsa is not going to cover. And if they do, Mark, get out of my city. All right, not sure if we should fire coaches based on spreads, but I also don't really think Michigan State needs bulletin board material to just decimate Tulsa. The only intriguing thing about this game, as you guys alluded to, is if Tulsa scores. That's it. And Michigan State's offense, I already told you guys, is going to be much improved this year. The 22.5 point spread is a joke. I think this is one of the locks of the week. I am sick of picking favorites, and I hope that we have some 
a little bit of diversity in this next game. We have 19th ranked Wisconsin with a lot of question marks traveling to South Florida. They're 13 point favorites on the road, extremely far away from home. I don't like the 13 number because I do think it'll probably be closer than a lot of people want it to be, or a lot of Wisconsin fans. But in at the end of the day, Jonathan Taylor will be too much. So they might pull out like a 28 to 14 victory, but that'll still help them cover the spread. So I am still pulling with the favorites and going with Wisconsin in the game. So the last time Wisconsin traveled to South Florida, I believe they decimated Miami. Is that correct? <laughs> that last year? Without really a quarterback and a de- defense that had fallen off. Listen, uh, but- we watched Miami last week. That's not uh, an accolade. <laughs> they, they scored a lot more points than Florida did yes, the other day. Also not an accolade. That's probably true. <laughs> no, there are no winners from that game. This, this is a really good spread because it's really tough to pick. Wisconsin should cover this, but, you know, we have an unproven at quarterback. And we don't know if the defense is going to be what it was two years ago versus what it was last year. Uh, I'm going to be inclined. I say again, defense travels. I think they're going to be better this year. Uh, so they should win this game comfortably. Uh, very tentatively, I will choose the Badgers. Uh, no. I already yes, talked I know. about you don't this like in Wisconsin our last podcast. <laughs> Actually, if you don't want to spoil it and you know be that way about things... Listen to last week's Big Ten uh, preview that we had for college You'll football. hear all about Very Michigan versus stuff. Ohio State from 1896. Just kidding. <laughs> and you'll also hear about how I don't really believe in Wisconsin. On top of that, there is actually a major, you know, coach who's at South Florida. We may have forgotten about him, but Charlie Strong is there. And I am actually going to take South Florida to be the person to wake you all up to the fact that Wisconsin is a 7-5 and five team. I think South Florida is going to beat Wisconsin outright. I wish that he could be this just be wrong. Like he loses the pick because he said beat them outright. But that's all right. Uh, I'm not going to go as far as Dylan, but I do think this game could end up closer than people think it's going to be. The first thing, kind of like you saw in Michigan State last year, North teams early season dealing with the heat and humidity – it's not that easy. So you got Wisconsin traveling to South Florida. It's going to be 88 degrees around kickoff. It's going to be 60, 70% humidity. You have an offensive line that lost a bit. You have an inexperienced quarterback, probably not that good. I don't expect them to lose the game or be in danger of losing the game or even be bad, but I do expect them to have kind of a slow start, pull away a little bit late, probably a double-digit victory. I just think covering the 13 is going to be hard, and God dang it, we need to pick some upsets on the spread. So I am going to go South Florida on this one. We talked about the Big Ten West a ton last week. In one of those possible maybe if everything goes right contenders northwestern opens the schedule about as hard as a team like northwestern can they're traveling all the way to the west coast to take on stanford it's a 4 p.m kick kind of bodes well for them because it's similar to the noon kick back here Uh, it's equivalent of a one kick for those of you that aren't very good at geography dylan uh they're six and a half point dogs to stanford on the road all Stanford has to do to cover is win by a touchdown and an extra point. Extra point. Math majors in here. Point. Um, 
I I expect Stanford to cover. I do like Northwestern to contend for the Big Ten West, but they don't have to win this game to do so, and I don't think they will, breaking in a new quarterback against Stanford's defense. So I do like Stanford uh, to win by seven or more. Yeah, I'm not believing in Northwestern much this year without Clayton Thornton. Uh, Stanford, good defense at home. Uh, I'm going to go with the Cardinal. I think that uh, Northwestern will cover the spread. I think it's going to be tight, but I do think Stanford gets that dub by a field goal late. I hate the spread. This was the toughest game to pick for me. Uh, it's, But a touchdown is a lot against Northwestern, especially when you are a borderline top 25 team, when you are a team that lost a bit from last year after not having the greatest season in the world. Northwestern is going to play this game really close. They're going to be in it in the fourth quarter. Can Sanford pull away and cover? Of course they can. If I'm if I'm forced to the fire, I'm going to take Northwestern. Six and a half points is a lot. Wish it was above north of a touchdown, but I'm with Dylan on this one. Let's hope this game's real close. To what well, one of the most anticlimactic games on the schedule, we have Middle Tennessee traveling to the Big House in what is. Borderline inexplicably a night game? We got a 7 p.m. kick on Saturday. Michigan hosting Middle Tennessee as 34-point favorites. This is a game that Michigan should absolutely run away with. This is one of the better locks or picks on this uh, on the spreadsheet. But yeah, Michigan just has way too, way too much talent, and Jim does like to make a statement in these type of games. So Michigan should cover the 34. Uh, agreed. Middle Tennessee is not Appalachian State walking into the big house. Uh, Michigan should have an easy time showing off their more prolific offense and their really good defense. Uh, Michigan's going to wind up scoring eight touchdowns on every single one of their possessions. Uh, Middle Tennessee may not score. So, Similar to the Michigan State game, the thing that I look at with spreads like these is how many points the dog is capable of scoring. And just like the Michigan State game, the answer is going to be not very many. This is the kind of team that Don Brown defenses, inexperienced or not, just absolutely decimate. Middle Tennessee is not going to be able to score double digits. It's going to be a coming out party for Josh Gaddis and the offense. The only interesting things about this game are like, how early does McCaffrey get in the game? How many touchdowns and crazy plays to the backups run because this is going to be another game that's going to be like 60 to 3. We go from that snooze fest to what should hopefully be, at least on paper, the most exciting game of the opening week schedule. We have Oregon favorites in the Pac-12, ranked 11th in the entire country, traveling to 16th ranked Auburn I expect Oregon to absolutely run Auburn off the field for this game. I like Justin Herbert. I like that offensive line a lot, and I do think that Auburn is a bunch of frauds in blue and orange. So Oregon all day, lock of the week. So if this game was at Auburn, it'd be much more interesting for (laughs) War Eagles' chances. But this game is being played in Jerry World, in Dallas, in air-conditioned and it's going to be rather neutral playing field. Uh, I have a hard time trusting the Pac-12, but with it really being somewhat of a road game for both teams, I will take the chance on the Oregon Ducks. As I talked about on our last podcast, this as I opened my eyes realizing that SEC teams don't play true road games, that they decide to play in Jerry World in SEC country or play in the, in the uh, 
Sugar Dome or whatever it is. Like, this is weak as hell. And Auburn is too. Oregon I don't trust as far as I can throw them because they couldn't do anything against a team that mattered. Yo, our defense. Uh, but I think Oregon's going to win this game soundly, just as uh, Ryan had said. So, so I have been betrayed by my spreadsheet. Not just my spreadsheet, but where I pull college spreads from. It's very simple. The bottom team is the home team. And then it notes, if it's a neutral field, it says so. It doesn't say so. So shout-outs to Vegas Insider for betraying me. But that's all right. Mm-hmm. It is even more inexplicable that not being at home, that Auburn could possibly be favored in this game. You lost your quarterback. You are already SEC overrated. You can talk (laughs) all you want about the Pac-12, but Justin Herbert is going to have his welcome to the party on national TV in primetime as he walks all over Auburn secondary. Easy pick. SEC over. <laughs> what? That's not only funny to me. Okay. Move on. <laughs> to from a what will hopefully be a nail biter to a game that I highly doubt is going to be so. We got a team that should have been brought into the Big Twelve, and it seems like lately the Big Twelve is bringing them in, but just to beat up on them. Houston is traveling to Norman. I'm pretty sure if this isn't a neutral site game <laughs> to face Oklahoma as a 24 point dog. Uh, so we we did picks earlier um, with just some of some basically some of the people that we know, and I did take Houston. But looking at this, I don't know if it's from this angle or whatever. I really feel like Oklahoma, especially at home, is going to cover. So I do have to change my picks there. But 24 isn't a lot when you're talking about an offense as prolific as Oklahoma's. And even if their defense isn't quite up to par, they should still be able to outpace Houston pretty nicely, who would have even a worse defense. I got to go with the Cougars on this one. This was one of the games I picked a couple podcasts ago when we talked about games we were looking forward to seeing. I was curious to see the offense of Houston against uh, the Oklahoma defense. I thought it could keep them in the game. Uh, I still believe that. I believe Dylan gave me 28 points in this one, uh, and I said I'd take Houston and 24. Close enough. I'll go with the Cougars. Do we actually bet on that, or was that just for shit? <laughs> I'll have to go to the podcast and find out. <laughs> We've had tape. so many bets, and I've lo- and I packed away my actual documentation book, so there's like four bets that I haven't written down yet. <laughs> Disaster. And it's stressing me out. <laughs> De Eric King is a very good quarterback. The problem is, is that Oklahoma, with the way that they're going to be this year, arguably the best running attack in the entire country, will make the T.O.P. way favored on Lincoln Riley's side. I did give Matt 28 points for a reason. I will take Boomer sooner. So whether he can pronounce his name or not, Houston Cougars do have a very good quarterback. And... A lot of people are looking back at them unfondly as they just got absolutely shellacked 70-14 to by Army in the bowl game to end the season last year. Houston's going to be a lot better this year. And that is the same Army team that took Oklahoma to overtime last year. I don't expect this game to necessarily be close, but 24 points is a ton 
for a team that does not play defense, remember I said big spreads, look at how many points the other team can score? Well, you have a really, really good quarterback, who I know Dylan likes very much, going against a Big 12 team. So do I love it? No, but I'm going to take Houston for sure with Matt on this one. And we cap the game, we cap the week with Monday night football in college land. Notre Dame, in a in-conference, not really in-conference, half-ass in the ACC, the worst conference in football, Notre Dame's traveling to Louisville on the road, a 20-point favorite for the defending playoff participant. Louisville is bad, but on the road at night on a game where you know kind of you're the only show in town, I expect those Louis fan, those Louisville fans, excuse me, to show out. So even though I expect Notre Dame to win by you know two or three scores, I do think Louisville can cover the twenty. If it's like an eighteen to thirty-five game, even that'll do it for them. But I do expect this game to be closer than Notre Dame wants to. So I'll take Louisville and the points. Uh, I have no faith in Louisville whatsoever. They are a trash-ass team. Been that way since what's-his-face, who's now running the ball at quarterback for Baltimore, Lamar, has left baby. them. <laughs> uh, they are god-awful. Notre Dame is not. They're a damn good team. Ian Book's a good quarterback. Uh, I'm taking the Fighting Irish to be better prepared for this position, for this kind of game at night, Monday Night Football. Don't care that it's on the road. Louisville's trash. Going with the Fighting Irish. If you want to see the deconstruction of a program, watch Ian Book against the secondary of Louisville. They are going to straight up slaughter them. The SEC is disgusting. They are terrible at football. This is they the ACC. Are, right. I said there's, ACC. there's no SEC ACC. team. I said the ACC. No, you said the SEC. No. Oh my. You and Derek King. Paul's having issues. They do not <laughs> deserve to be called a Power 5 conference. Notre Dame, for whatever reason, I mean, it's clear for whatever reason, because they suck. Why wouldn't you schedule six, seven games against them here? They're wins. Notre Dame is going to legitimately score 60-plus points on them. They will be stopped when they put their third or fourth string in. Notre Dame all day. And Looks that, like I'm gaining a game on That concludes our picks for the week. And our podcast. Thank you guys for listening. For Paul <laughs> Roshan. For Ryan Griffin, for Dylan Bear, I'm Matt Bass, and we're Sports Carnage. We'll be back next week. Y'all have a great night. Follow us on Facebook, Sports Carnage Podcast, and Twitter, at Sports Carnage. Yeah. And have a great fantasy draft week for all those sensible enough to wait. Woo-woo.